this monkey for now, Frankenstein? I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Baravelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. Uh, top 100s are fun, lied Kirk. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to uh, YLS. It's uh, the top 100 scenes again. Uh, we're in the uh, getting into the 50s. We're almost halfway through. Almost, not quite. You can feel that. Okay, uh, Jack, you had your, I believe, first place win ever on YLS last week. Well, How you feel about that? Are you going to ride that momentum into the, the second half of the series? Uh, first place uh, ever in a top 100. I've, I've had a few first places in like other YLS episodes, but uh, in, in terms of a top 100, it was my first first place. And I don't think I'll ever repeat that again this series. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I've got some good scenes. Uh, a few that will definitely uh, could be yikes. Uh, I'm excited for this episode. All right. Uh, Cody, last week, your first non-first place finish of the show so far. Um, is this your week you come back, or do you think that may be a sign of things to come? No, I actually learned a really good strategy from Jack last week. I'm going to put a good scene on and not say shit about it and just let you talk about how much you love it, and that will, that will you know, help me win first place. So it should be a quick show because I'm not going to talk at all because it's going to be fun. Jake is also here. Jake, do, is there any hope of things getting better this week? I any think, at all, please? Yeah, I've got nowhere to go but up after the, the whole. Uh, after everyone has fiasco over having a Neil Green scene from my list, I mean. But uh, no, I think this is, uh, I think honestly, like as far as a normal list from me goes, this is pretty normal. We'll see though. And uh, Scott, I believe you were in second place last week. That was your first time moving out third. Are you? Uh, is the arrow going to continue to point up? Are you going to first this week? Do you think? Not this week. Uh, I see. I foresee some bumps in the road this week, and uh, I guess uh, some foreshadowing for our viewers. Definitely stick around to the end uh, of the countdown for tonight, or uh, or better yet, don't because it could get ugly. All right. Uh, tonight is 60 through 51. We are sticking with the standard uh, Your List Sex Rules. Uh, Going to do our uh, top three, our bottom threes, just you and me. Start with Jack. Uh, Jack, give me your 60 through 58. All right. Uh, my 60 is the second Russian roulette scene from The Deer Hunter. Uh, my 59 is... You can't handle the truth from a few good men. Yikes. Yeah, I figured. And my number 58, smile, you son of a bitch, from Jaws. Uh, so, clarification, I have a Russian roulette scene. I don't believe mine's the last one. No, yours is oh, not. Okay. Yeah. okay, so, never mind. All right, this one, uh, so yeah, Russian roulette, the deer hunter. This one was uh the hardest to decide between for me between the uh the first one and this one but i went with this one because 
um, th this is this is the uh, emotional climax of the film. This is where Robert De Niro has gone back to uh, to get Nikki uh, to get uh, Christopher Walken, and uh, he finds him playing Russian roulette. And uh, in order to try to get him back, he plays with him, even though he knows that one of them can't leave uh, after they start playing. And it's just a brutal scene. Uh, there has been very few uh, moments in film that have affected me as deeply as that one did. And it's just, it's phenomenal. Uh, very uh, incredible, incredible scene. Uh, 58. Uh, this wasn't Yikes, Smiley Son of a Bitch from Jaws. Okay, uh, just double checking. Yeah, this scene's awesome. Uh, it's it's just it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, this is the big showdown with the shark. It's uh, just a hell of a time. I I, I cannot uh, I cannot not get excited while watching the scene. Every time he says the line smiley son of a bitch i cheer it's incredible one of the most just fuck yeah moments in a movie for me uh love it uh yeah okay uh 60 the second the ending of deer hunter basically again spoiler alerts for this for the show and this one in particular uh this is a great scene um kind of been spoiled that we will be talking about the other one here eventually uh which is fine um, but I, I think I want to, I'll probably wait till we get there so I can talk about both of them. Cause it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. Um, so we'll hold off on that. You'll get credit for it, obviously, but we'll hold off on the conversation. <coughs> and then 59 jokes, uh, 58 jaws. Yeah. This isn't the jaws scene I'd pick. Um, but it's fun. It's a great climax. Um, his, you know, him over just the, uh, one of the things that many things I love about this movie is just him overcoming, uh, that the fear uh, I love in the third act how useless his character is. Uh, there's a scene where he's talking to um, he's talking to the guys and he's like complaining about something, and the movie fades out while he's talking. Like he's like the scene fades out. Like he's so ineffectual that the movie doesn't even care what he has to say. And to see him like overcome that and finally, you know, it's it, it's down to him and he's, it's, it, he he has to be the one to to finish off the shark and he's able to do it. Um, I think is very satisfying. Um, so that is your bottom three on to Cody with your, uh, start with your number 60. Um, my number 60 is Mozart and Solari, uh, the composing scene at the end of Amadeus. Uh, yikes. Okay. Uh, -huh. next same lines, same best picture kind of feeling. Uh, number 59, drop the bunt from major league. <laughs> And uh, probably won't talk about this either, but 58, rushing or dragging whiplash. Yikes. I figured. Uh, good. The one that I wanted to talk about tonight anyways, drops the bunt in uh, Major League. Um, Major League is like my favorite, one of my favorite sports movies of all time. It's probably my favorite like sports comedy. Um, and I, I just love the first time I saw this movie and like, Major League's a ridiculous concept anyways, you know, Cleveland being good enough winning to win, like, championships. Yeah, yeah, winning the World Series. That just doesn't seem possible. Um, but when uh, Taylor's up to bat and Willie Mays, uh, Hayes is on second, I believe, um, he starts to break for steal, and you think he, like, calls his shot, 
He goes up to the he goes up to the plate. A catcher, not known for power, not known for hitting at all, goes up. He points, pisses off the entire team on the other side. The ball comes in. He's stealing second. He's stealing second to third. He drops the bunt down and has to leg it out because if he doesn't leg it out, he's still out. But as soon as he drops, Willie Mays Hayes heads home at the same time. So it's like this motion and just like slow motion. His bad knees running it down the score of it playing and him and them being safe and winning the game. It's like an ultimate sports moment for me. To think that would end a baseball game, one of the most risky moves ever is like st- double steal basically and suicide squeeze from second. But it plays perfectly into the movie. And yeah, it's one of my all time favorite sports moments in a movie, obviously. Yeah, uh, a great, again, another great payoff scene where, you know, just the, the team has been uh, kind of piecing it together, uh, you know, with spit and duct tape the whole season. And for it to come down to this and then just, you know, pl- pull something like this off uh, and just like kind of a tr- trick play, so to speak. Uh, and I love it's shot really well. Like it's a great like baseball cinematography. And I love just how the slow motion and when, you know, the point and the, re- and the reaction of the crowd and everything. And then when he actually drops the bunt, just to look on the other players' faces like they didn't know what to do with this, how everybody just how everything comes. It's, it's, it, it, it's a really great sports ending, like as far as like the actual sport being played. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I'd put a major league scene in my top 100 scenes, but if you do, this is the one you probably going to do. Uh, everything else got yikes. So we are on to Jake for number 60. Are you up to me? Um, <clears throat> my number 60 is the train sequence from Mission Impossible. It's the first one. I don't know why it says fall out. Anyway, um, number 59. Uh, Doctor Evil explains the Alan Parsons project from Austin Powers: The Spy Shake Me. And number 58, uh, the listening booth scene from Before Sunrise. Yikes. Figured. All right. Uh, the train sequence from Mission Impossible. Um, just an, this is my favorite of the Mission Impossible movies. I know that's like kind of a weird take, um, but I just like the simplicity that the first one has. Um, and I think this train sequence is like really exhilarating. Uh, even from like back of the time, like I think the effects hold up extremely well. I absolutely love the way Tom Cruise jumps onto the helicopter. We get the, the, the we bring back the uh, red light, green light of the, the gum, the exploding gum, and just the, the the shot of the helicopter exploding while he is forced back onto the train and he is like a meter away from the camera. That shot is like just like in my brain forever. Um, and you've got that close call where like the propeller blade like almost gets him in the neck, like that sort of shit, just like really good and just like fun and. It really adds to the uh, the entertainment for that uh, that climax. Um, my fifty nine, uh, Doctor Evil explains the Alan Parsons project from the Spy Shake Me. Um, this is just like really funny and sort of a microcosm of why Doctor Evil is such a like buffoon. Um, the way he's in Spy Shake Me, he's explaining how he's putting a laser on the moon, and he has no idea of pop culture references, so he calls it a Death Star without knowing that Star Wars is a thing. And then he explains that he's going to call it the Alan Parsons Project after some, like, physicist, Dr. Parson. And you got Scott, who's just like, why don't you just call it Operation Wang Chung, you ass? And I'm pretty sure Operation Banana Ramble was already taken. Um, you got that stuff. And then my favorite part is when number two just goes up and says, let's put away our family quarrels and let's get back to business. And you just got Dr. was like, grabs the grabs the, the globe, the bounty ball, and just starts just 
throwing at his face uh, a reference to Robert Duvall's uh, movie, The Great Santini. And uh, you just see they did it in one take and Rublo talks about how like he started just like laughing like profusely during the third time he gets here. And it's just like really funny and just like a great visual part. And it's just like the, the whole part where Doctor was like, you want to be daddy? Is that it? You want to be daddy? And then just looking <laughs> straight at his face. I lose it every time I watch the scene. All right. Uh, and your 58 was yikes. Okay. Uh, Mission Pages with train sequence. Good action scene. Um, I kind of disagree with you, though. I think the effects don't hold up that well, especially when now... I mean, and again, I think this is probably my favorite of the of, of the series, too. I like what it was like a De Palma movie and like a slow burn kind of you know spy thriller. Um, but as far as action sequences go, when you look at where they're at now, it's like the, it's all about the ultra-realism. And you look back at this, you're like, well, that's, you know, you can tell how fake this is. Not that it looks terrible, but you can definitely see the see the lines there. Um, and then Austin Powers. I'm not a big Austin Powers fan at all. I'm not a big Mike Myers fan. But uh, Dr. Evil is definitely the highlight of the, of that series. Like, if I watch this movie, I'm probably going to be sitting there with a straight face, except when Dr. Evil comes on. Um, I think this is just, this is probably the best character that Michael Mike Myers has ever done. And... Um, yeah, I just love you know when he's just how petty he is, and like just how stupid, and just like yeah, you want to you know, when he throw the thing off his face, just like the little things he does. Um, so yeah, again, Austin Powers not on my top one hundred, but if you're gonna do it, make sure you got Doctor Evil on there. Uh, so again, last one, Jake. So Scott, we are to you, to you for your bottom three. Great, scene, I don't know. Jake. I don't know, Kirk. You really think it's better than Mike Myers's character in Amsterdam? Uh, pretty classic. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, number sixty was a previous yikes. <laughs> was a previous yikes, and uh, that it was the America scene from West Side Story. The ori- uh, not the original, the the new one, the twenty twenty one. Sorry. Um, oh, fif- fifty nine. Because you had the twenty twenty one also, Jack. Right? Yeah, I, I had it yeah. seventy five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Both uh, had the incorrect one. Yes. Fifty nine uh, is from Troy. It's the scene where. Priam comes for Hector's body. Um, and 58, I have uh, a different scene from Amadeus. This is when Salieri has the originals and is reading through them. Um, all right, number 60, America. Um, yeah, so I am like a little bit skeptical about movie musicals in general, just because I think they're almost always inferior to the original stage product. You have to do something to make them cinematic. Um, And also they oftentimes replace the stage actors with Hollywood actors who are just not as good as performing the musical numbers. Um, This movie was, is the the quintessential example of how to do a movie musical uh, because it is incredibly cinematic and um, the performers are all very talented, um, you know, on the stage. Uh, well, with the exception of one, obviously, but um, for the overwhelming majority of them are. And that's exemplified by this sequence, I think, um, which is, this is pro- possibly my favorite song from any musical, to be honest with you, America. Um, and the way that this scene is shot um, is what is so, what for me makes this version of the movie slightly better than the original, that they're both great. It's just so expansive. It opens up this world so much. Like, you know, they're walking down the street, they go through the market, um, you know, they're walking through the boxing gym. It's just like you are, they are in a living, breathing, vibrant community when they are performing the song. It doesn't feel like it is 
you know, still confined by its stage roots at all. You feel like you're watching a movie through and through. And obviously the performers, and in this case, um, David Alvarez and Ariana DuBose are both phenomenal um, singing and dancing. I mean, the choreography is amazing. The costumes are amazing. Um, it's just a beautiful scene to look at. Like, I can't imagine anyone watching the scene and being like, and, and not coming away feeling like, yeah, this is what movies should look like. It is just one of those uh, kind of movie magic moments um, for me. And when it all comes together and um, exemplifies why I love this movie as a whole. And why I think it's one of the best movie musicals ever. Um, Jack, I guess you jump in now. Yeah. Uh, agree with everything you said. It's in, uh, it does. I don't want to knock the original scene too, too much, but this opens up the world so much in comparison. Uh, I love Ariana DeBose and David Alvarez in the scene. Spielberg is, I am so upset that it, took him this long to make a musical and even more upset that he'll never make another one because this scene alone is just one of the greatest things that he, well, one of the greatest moments that he's ever directed, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the costumes are gorgeous. I love, I can't speak highly enough about how much I love DeBose in this film, especially in this scene. Uh, and yeah, one of the greatest uh, songs from uh, musical theater, in my opinion. So yeah great moment all right uh, my 59 was from troy um again this is a movie i defend despite it not being super well received um i think this scene is an amazing scene to be honest with you um the two things that i think really stand out about it are number one the writing the screenplays by david benioff game of thrones fame um and then the performance by Peter O'Toole as King Priam. This is when he goes to the Trojans camp after, uh, or to the Greeks camp after um, Achilles has killed Hector in sort of their one-on-one -on -one battle. And he wants to request Hector's body back from Achilles. And it's an amazing like uh, scene that really exemplifies like this movie, I think is ultimately about sort of the futility of war, the pointlessness of war. And this scene really um, is a great microcosm of that. Um, because it's it's like, here's the Trojan king, right? And here's the Greek star warrior. And they're just sitting down and having a conversation and kind of musing on, you know, what is this all about, really? Um, and, and Achilles is saying, oh, well, I killed him because, um, you know, he killed my cousin. And and Priam is like, well, how many cousins and brothers and, you know, fam their family members have you killed, Achilles? Um, and ultimately it, come, it, it kind of ends up with him saying, you know, we are still enemies. We're enemies today. We'll continue to be enemies, but even enemies can show each other respect. Uh, and it's, it's also interesting because Achilles, his whole motivation is sort of like, he is, he is not on board with, with Agamemnon, who is the, the Greek king. Um, and he kind of sees an example of what a like honorable king looks like when he sees Priam. And again, Peter O'Toole is giving an amazing performance in the scene and movie. So I love it. 58, um, I had the Amadeus scene. So this is when Mozart's wife brings to Salieri a bunch of his um, compositions and tells him, you know, hey, these are the originals. He doesn't make any copies, right? Um, and Salieri picks them up and 
st immediately starts hearing the music. And it's got this kind of great tension to it, right? Because she says that about the originals and it's almost like, oh boy, you know, if he rips them up right here or whatever, which you could totally see him doing, you know, here's all this music lost to time. Um, but he can't bring himself to do it right because he picks up the compositions, he immediately starts hearing the music and it's like, wow, this is, it's miraculous as he ends up telling uh, Mozart's wife. And it's flashing between him, you know, obviously in the hospital, um as an older man like remembering um this moment um and again it's it's a perfect like three four minute scene of what this whole movie about is about right which is that tension within um salieri of he like despises mozart as a person um and you know his attitude towards everything pretty much but when it all comes down to it he's like a far superior musician than salieri will ever be um, and as somebody who respects music, first of all, he like that just kind of takes precedence for him. So it's, yeah, it, it might not be the scene that everyone picks. Obviously two people had a different scene, um, but it's one that I think of because of, you know, how in just a few minutes it represents kind of the whole movie and F Murray Abraham is, you know, great in the scene, obviously. Um, okay. West side story. Uh, it's again, it's hard to talk about without comparing and maybe we'll get to talk about the other one. I don't know. Um, but no, it, I'll, I'll just talk and focus on this one. It is great. This is the, in my opinion, the greatest musical theater uh, number ever. Um, and they do some interesting stuff with it. Um, it is, it does go a lot bigger. It does go just like the rest of the movie goes more cinematic. Um, and I think what, for what they're doing, they do a great job. Um, my one pet peeve I hate, and I hate just, I hate when musicals do this in general, like the, the scene where she, the part where she's like buying on credit is so nice. And they show her buying something. It's like I know what buying on credit means. You don't have to show me that. Um, but yeah, just like, but it is good. Like just, just how, how big and everything gets. Again, you know, we may talk about it a little bit more later. Um, you know, I'll end that part of the conversation there. Uh, Troy, I watched this movie for you last year uh, for your top one hundred, and I really enjoyed it. I totally agree with you. Um, they, but they're doing both. Uh, the, uh, the, this was like one of the greatest anti-war movies I've ever seen. Uh, just shows like how kind of ridiculous it is that like how there's certain people who profit by it and, are, and, it's, and their reasons are petty and stupid and all these people die on both sides. And it's the same people dying for the same dumb reasons, no matter what side they're on. I think this scene exemplifies that beautifully. Uh, I think uh, Peter Toll's doing a great job here. Uh, just, you know, you know, coming with that grief and that anger and everything and he kind of like melts Brad Pitt. Um Achilles here, he's kind of just been like, you know, war, he's the warrior. He's the, uh, you know, that, that, that's what matters to him. His enemies need to die. And, you know, uh, uh, Prime finds that, you know, the chinks in that armor. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is a great scene that encapsulates everything that movie's about. Uh, and then Amadeus, the Amadeus, yeah, this is what it kind of does. Like, this is the flashy scene. Um, but I think it really speaks so much to Salieri. Uh, he's like just what's so great about this movie is just how he is he understands what mozart can do better than mozart does and that's his whole curse is that that's all he can do is understand it he can't do it himself and this is that this is the moment where he realizes that like exactly who and what mozart is and just you know and that 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 sets up the rest of the movie how that just eats away at him um how this person who has no respect for it like Celery spent his whole life respecting music and worshiping music and praying to God for this ability. And he sees it just wasted on this idiot. 
Um, and so I think that just so what's so great about this character, like I said, the seed is perfectly encapsulates that. Uh, so that takes us that ends our bottom three. Gloves come off. Everybody gets to fight now. Going back to Jack and Jack's number 57. All right. Uh, my number 57 is My Wife Likes Me from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this scene destroys me emotionally every time I watch it. it uh, and that's what I love so much about this film is that it just... It, completely destroys you 20 minutes in and then spends the rest of the runtime building you up. I think it was Cam that uh, said that one of his reviews, but uh, this scene is just so, so great. John Candy is giving just the most heartfelt uh, speech uh, to Steve Martin, who John Candy is loud and annoying. And Steve Martin uh, is kind of at his wits end with him. And uh and he says, you want to hurt me? That's okay, uh, it, if it makes you feel any better. But uh, basically just telling him, no matter what you think about me, that doesn't matter to me because my wife likes me. And that's all I care about. And it's just a beautiful moment that never fails to make me tear up. Great moment. This is, yeah, I mean, John Candy, no one else... This movie shouldn't work, and with any two actors, with any two other actors, it would just be kind of like a cheesy '80s comedy that everybody kind of forgot about. Um, I think the two of them playing these types of characters are so perfect. I think John Candy had such a sincerity in what he did, whether it was comedy or you know a little more dramatic or whatever. Um, but I think that comes out so good here, and just with his, you know, this is you know just really like you know because Steve Martin is just so mean to him and just beating him down, and it's like. Yeah, I probably deserve this, but you know what? It's okay. It doesn't matter um, because, like you said, you know, my wife likes me, and then you find out, you know, that everything you find out later makes this scene so much more devastating. But uh, good pick. Uh, not not necessarily the scene I would pick from this movie, but still a pretty solid pick. Uh, everybody else on this one. Uh, it was on my list. I cut it because I don't. As much as I, uh, I don't think the scene is that great. I think the forty-second moment when he says "I like me" is great, but overall, it's Steve Martin doing his normal rant throughout. He has better rants through this movie. Um, so at that point, it's not like it can't take an entire spot for forty seconds of like, and even then, it's like thirty seconds because he goes through it pretty quickly and just moves on. Um, there's just better scenes from playing strings and automobiles. This is probably like the heart of the film makes you understand who he is, but um, I can't have so many scenes of it. So, um, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, I have seen this movie. I like it. Um, it's just been a while. Um, so I can't really remember the scene exactly, but, uh, yeah. All right. Fair and Bowman is correct. I have lived this too many times to appreciate it anymore. Fair enough. Uh, I Kirk's not here, but I'll go on to my 56, I guess. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, my number 56, I don't need any prayers from Yojimbo. I saw this. Textbook pandering. <laughs> Sorry. I'm... Yeah, textbook pandering. Now we don't need to worry about anything else. So we know who's winning this week. Cool. I'm sorry. I like this movie long. I doubt it. 
<laughs> but for the first time in film studies in high school, and it blew do you want Kirk to talk about it? Do you want Kirk to talk about it over here, though? Maybe if if you won't let me talk about it, Kirk can talk about it. But uh, I'll, I'll talk about it now. Uh, yeah, no, this film blew me away the first time I saw it, and uh, it was my it was the first Kurosawa film I saw. It's the first uh, time I saw Toshiro Mufi, uh, Mufi, yeah. Tashiro Mifune. Mifune. I'm I'm stumbling over my words. That's ninety percent of the time. I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, first time I saw him in a movie. Incredible moment. Uh, where it's uh, to be fair, I'm I am taking the the full scene with the fight that leads up to the I don't need any prayers speech from the uh, from the guy who's dying on the ground uh, with his gun. Uh, the fight in and of itself. Fantastic. Uh, it, it, it is a brief, it is a brief fight because uh, Mifune just disposes of every every single one of them like instantly, pretty much. Uh, it, it's in the intro for the show, uh, but and he uh, he finds one one of the uh, people he's fighting is just like a young stupid uh, uh, kid. And he's like. Go run home to your mom, and and he like chases him away, uh, and the kid drops his sword and runs away crying. It's really uh, that moment is really funny. Uh, there's some dark humor in that uh, scene, uh, but then you get the monologue from from the guy who's uh, dying on the ground, uh, who has the pistol, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. But uh, then the guy comes out with the prayer drum and starts uh, banging it repeatedly, and it it's it's just a fantastic moment in this film i can't talk about it enough uh, i just every time I I, I I it's one of the scenes from this movie i can just throw on at any time and watch and have a good time it's it's a great moment yeah uh fantastic pick don't let him say anything else to you jack uh it's the intro of the scene of the show for the reason um just the the way this is shot the cinematography the framing uh when he walks on and the dust is blowing and the music's playing and then you see it. I mean, this is the setup for every, you know, Western shootout you're ever going to see in your life. Um, and yeah, like you said, like it has that moment, you know, just, I love what he's approaching and I love the character. I forget the character. It's named Uno. I, I, I can't remember his name either. I just watched it, but uh, him with his gun and how dependent he is on that gun and how he has that pulled, how he just, he just keeps walking on him and he gives it a little gritty ducks and he misses them and this fight starts. Great fight scene. Uh, great sword play. And then, yeah, just a really solid death scene where he's like, let me have my gun, and he gives it to him, he tries to shoot him. It takes forever to die. It's kind of funny how long it takes him to die. Uh, but, no, fantastic pick, Jack. Uh, everybody else on uh, Yojimbo. I wonder how he got the idea to pick this as a scene. Um, and I just can't wait to see what follows it. So, uh, like, what beats this? What is better than the Yojimbo scene? It's going to be fun to see Kirk's headline explode. Um, overall, I've seen the movie twice. It's grown on me. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a big foreign film fan, so it's a struggle most of the time. But it's a good movie. I just didn't think to add any from it. I'm finally exploring Kurosawa, but I have not yet got to this one. Uh, I have not seen this movie. That's too bad. So, All right. Do I check? Yeah. Uh, this is the scene that uh, I was looking at this last night. I'm like, if there's any scene that uh, hurts me, it's this one. However, I do think this is one of the 
most impressive technical achievements in the last well 10 years 20 years i don't care it's the halo jump from mission impossible fallout i think this scene is great i i i look I, the behind the scenes video for uh this scene uh, in and of itself is one of the videos i've seen the most uh and it every time i watch this scene i am astounded uh like it's not it's not it doesn't have like some great monologue that you'll see it doesn't have uh like a well choreographed action set piece it's just the absolute uh dedication to making this scene happen and how they did it is worth a mention in and of itself and i I'm blown away every time I see it. This is just a brilliant technical achievement and uh, great moments in film. It's a good Mission Impossible scene. I mean, top 100. To be honest with you, I wouldn't put any of these in my top 100, so I'm not going to pick on you for this particular one. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's there. Uh, everybody else on the hill of Jeff Fall. The way Jack was hyping that up, I was expecting like you know the pinnacle of filmmaking and uh, just you know, like just a scene that just really like represents like the magic of the movies. And then like this is a good scene, but like I was severely underwhelmed by the pit, to be completely honest. It is a good scene, um, but uh, yeah, it's a good stunt. Um, but that's all it is to me. Like just a, a good, a really, really good stunt. So. Yeah, I mean. Not my favorite scene for a Mission Impossible Fallout. That's all I will say. But it's a, it's a great one. I mean, I, I think so far you've chosen like the second best set piece from the Mission Impossible movies that you've picked, which is you know even in in, in um, even the second best set piece in these movies is better than than most. So um, I get I'll give you credit for that. I just I just find it funny that like. Ethan Hunt does crazy shit in a Mission Impossible movie. No, what? And this is when he's this is when he's skydiving. It's cool. It never it's awesome. Old. Like I know. I mean, it is cool. But like at the end of the day, like you, he has picked both Mission Impossibles, and he's picked both scenes that do are not the best from those movies, which is wild. And then you believe that Tom Cruise is the scene is better than a Kurosawa film, and I want that on the record. So that's all I'm trying to get. It's one spot. It could, it could vary. Um, yeah, then he should have put your Jimbo at 55. You put it at 56 and put Tom Cruise higher. Crazy. Anyway. Uh, so I guess I'll just go on to my 54 now. Uh, my 54, We Are Not Your Brothers from 49th Parallel. This monologue in this film is fantastic. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what this film's about, uh, it's a bunch of not, uh, it, it's so this film centered, this film follows the villains of the, of the story. It's about these Nazis who, uh, whose submarine was blown up in the Hudson's Bay in Canada. Uh, and they, uh, and they're trying to make their way through without uh, getting caught and killed. Uh, and they find their, uh, themselves at a Hutterite, uh, uh, camp, uh, a Hutterite uh, settlement, and uh, they're welcome there. They're they're dressed as uh, like normal travelers so that they don't uh, attract any attention. Uh, and they're and they realize that the 
that the Hutterites there are all are mostly of German descent. And so they see this as like an opportunity to try to uh, get their support and their help. But uh, after this guy gives, after the leader of these Nazis gives uh, a very, uh, very stereotypical uh, a Nazi propaganda speech that you've probably heard before. Uh, the leader of the, like the the leader of the Hutterite colony, uh, uh, very calmly and collectively just uh, looks at them and uh, gives this scathing monologue, telling them, "We may we may be Germans, uh, but we are not your brothers." And it's just one of the, uh, one of the most just hell yeah moments in in an early uh in like a classic film for me i love this film uh, i watched it earlier this year and i this i fell in love with this scene this the, i i rewatch the scene often it's fantastic i haven't seen this movie and to be completely honest i really didn't know much about it going in i so i didn't get a chance to actually watch the film but i watched the the scene uh, out of context, I appreciate you giving the context for it. Uh, but no, it's good. Like it just has like it's shot really well. It's just and it's just you know one of those things. That, and you think about in the era it was filmed, you know, when this was actually going on, or you know, very recently had gone on. Anyway, uh, I think it's uh, what's going on. Okay, I see the year. I wasn't sure what year it came out. Um, no, um, yeah, like you said, like it's just the uh, the guy standing up. And it's not like a, a shouting thing. It's not like, hey, get out of here. There's no violence or anything. It just hit like here's here's why. Like he lays it out like this is why we why we're opposed to everything that you believe. It doesn't matter that we're German, that we have the same ancestry. Here's everything that's wrong with what you said. And here's everything about our world and our community that rejects that. Uh, so I think it's a very great like thesis statement for that kind of thing. Uh, anybody else seen this one? Uh, I cannot say this movie because this movie doesn't exist. So <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something I would like, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So, my 57. Um, I went with uh, the T-Rex Breaks Out Jurassic Park. Um, if there was a moment I could go back and experience in the theater, it'd probably be this one. Um, what he's able to create um, in this scene with the just the sound, the water, the tension growing between both cars and the cable snapping and the T-Rex showing up on the screen for the first time. I think it's just absolutely incredible. Only thing that would have made the scene better if the kids did get eaten, I still believe they shouldn't have made it out of the first one, and I'll stand by that. Those kids, there's no natural consequences for any of their actions. Um, but overall, like... When you see the light coming from the car and you just see the T-Rex walk in and the eye gets close to it, it's just some of the best shots that there are movies that come out today that don't look as good as this movie. Um, and I think it's just a brilliant, like, ter basically terrifying nine minutes um, with the T-Rex showing up on the scene and um, them trying to get him away and the, the ending of them sliding down. I think... Again, I this is one of those scenes that I wish I could see in the theater, like without you know ever seeing it before. No, I feel the same way. I wish I go back and see it again because I don't have. I enjoy Jurassic Park. I don't have the the connection to it that a lot of people do, and I think the problem is I saw it at the exact wrong time. 
Like I was too too old to be like, oh, cool dinosaurs, but I was too young to like fully appreciate like what was happening from like a filmmaking level and a a, uh, a you know technical level. Obviously, I appreciate that now, but I don't have that visceral connection a lot of people do to it. So I wish I go back and rewatch and see because it's great. Just the the bouncy back and forth between like practical and digital and just the way, just like the you know you, you hear that story about how like the the, the 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 window wasn't supposed to fall out and how their reaction is real and just so many little things like that um and just the way they've built they they, they set up the t-rex to this point and finally get to see them and there's that perfect amount of showing and not showing um so yeah just a really well constructed scene uh, everybody else on the t-rex scene the dressing court i mean this is a great scene yeah um I mean, Malcolm makes just calm as tits because, like, it's not one of my favorite scenes of all time. That doesn't mean that I don't understand and appreciate the scene. Um, but yeah, no, I this is a great scene. I think the effects are like incredible, and like, uh, it, it still holds up to, the, to today. But um, I yeah, think it's a great scene. Just don't want it to have it on my top one hundred because it's not really a favorite scene. Yeah, um, not my favorite scene from Jurassic Park still to come but um i do love this movie i'm glad you picked this scene um because i was a little concerned about people picking the like welcome to jurassic park scene or whatever and i don't like it as much just because it doesn't show the dinosaurs being as scary as they actually are and obviously that's what the sequels have freaking gotten away from now and turned the whole franchise into a laughing stock um so i'm glad that you picked this scene which is actually like incredibly scary and tense and what the movie gets right um among many other things uh yeah this scene among other scenes from jurassic park were absolutely in the running uh for my list uh, made early drafts but uh they fell off so yeah good pick cody all right 56 I don't think me check. Um, I don't compliment me. Um, fifty six. Uh, the Battle of Wits. Uh, Princess Bride. Um, I will save everybody. Um, I will not try to quote or do anything from the scene because I think it's absolutely brilliant, and it's the two people that perform in the scene. Basically, him mixing up the powder in the cups, and then Wallachon like going through all the things of um why he is. Um, like how you can't, why you can't like trick him, why he is so smart, you know, the land war in Asia and never mess with, uh, don't mess with the Sicilian with deaths on the line. Um, it's just some of my all time favorite, like back and forth in a film. Um, and then how the, how it ends, he's like, well, I've been, I've been, uh, putting it through my, you know, taking a little bit each time and becoming a mean to it. It's like such a brilliant, cause this movie's so, uh, so it's one. It's my one of my favorite fantasy movies of all time. It's a movie that I've watched since I was young, and just to see like the the thing about the scene is the pacing and like the comedic timing between both of them to not like the pauses are perfect. Like everything's lined up to make it hilarious throughout. because this movie has got such a ridiculous elements all the time, um, and it's one that. Still to this day, I know what's coming, and I still am excited to see it play out every time, which is a telling of a great scene. So, yeah. It's hard to pull this out as just its own scene, 
uh, because I think it's so the three see the three challenges, so to speak, of between the, the sword fight, the fight with Andre, and then this, like you know, it's like the skill, the brute strength, and the intelligence. So to me, those are all connected. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I, I love the music, like the musical beats when he's like switching the the cups, you know, things like. Just I figured things. if I included all of them, you would have voted against it. No, 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 no. I, I no, it, it's 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 a legit pick. I'm just saying, like, it's hard for me to say, like, just this. Look at you know, separate this from the other three. Um, but it probably is the best one just because of the comedy. It's so entertaining. Um, and Wallace shot is just so good at it. And just that death scene where you know the ha 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 ha, and he falls. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, again, this is another movie you probably could have picked a couple different scenes. One, this is a pretty good pick. Everybody else on Battle Wits. Yeah, uh, I love this scene. It's probably my second favorite scene in the film. Uh, it was definitely in the running, but not not uh, what I went with. I'll just say that I think the scene's good. Uh, young you, Scott, by the way. Um... I do like the scene. Um, I think it's good. Um, yeah, just... You know, that's it. I think it's great. My bad. Um, this movie just doesn't hit for me the way it does for other people. I'm not big uh, into fantasy type stuff. I watched it one time as a kid. have never come back to it. I'm sure I would appreciate it more nowadays, um, but I just don't have that relationship to it that a lot of people do. All right, Cody, what is your 55? I don't think I'll be well. Okay, there it is. I don't think I'll be talking about it, but it's just Buster from Alien. Or maybe I will. That's great wow. for me. Awesome, perfect, cool. Um, I am one of the least human, the least people that will ever talk about practical effects versus CGI and like the master of film and ever like that ain't me. Uh, beginning, middle, end, plot guy. That's my kind of cup of tea. Uh, the first Alien. Um, I was back and forth for a long time on Alien and Aliens and stuff like that. I believe Alien is by far the superior film, and the reason why I think this is, like, a brilliant horror movie. Like, again, I'm not a horror fan. I would not seek them out, but when the, what they're able to create in this movie is insane. And John Hurt's performance in this scene alone is, in, like, crazy. He goes from, like, eating, laughing, joking with everybody to, like, misery in, like, seconds. And, the you know, the practical effect of it coming out of his body and him, like, acting like it's coming out is just some of the scariest shit that I've ever seen. Like, some of the horror that I don't really like, and, like, when you can't see stuff, like, it, it's not there. You just have to, like, assume. And when it bursts through, uh, it's... It's very uncomfortable. It's not like, but when I was thinking horror and made me like feel like absolutely terrified, it's this scene right here that I had to, I had to include. Oh yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, one of the great things about Alien is before the Alien action starts, it's just like a really great hangout movie. Uh, you have that the crew of the Stromo is just such a great cast, uh, and that's one of the strengths of the movie in general is supporting cast. Just it's, it's them hanging out and just. You know, just kind of relaxing and having having their meal, and then just this just explodes. And you hear the stories about how they say that uh, they didn't tell the rest of the crew what was what was going to happen. This was a surprise to them. I don't know how true that is, uh, but that you you feel that like it feels like this is a genuine surprise to them. You get that shock and that horror. 
and you know their reactions are just as horrified as it's actually happened them you know having to watch this happen when the blood bur- bursts the first and you see everybody like stop and pause and like yeah. look at it you almost get that feeling they had no idea what was coming because yeah. it's like like they all like do an absolute pause it's insane yeah but um no this is a fantastic as you said like well just one of the greatest greatest you know uh examples of practical effects and just like you said like that that body horror element to it uh really solid i'm surprised nobody else had this uh anybody else to explain their reasons why i mean this is a great scene um i just was you know let's go back to the jesse park argument i just wanted to pick scenes that i love that i have a uh, a uh, connection with um this is a great scene and this would probably make the top 100 best scenes of all time but just not my personal top 100 favorite um, but yeah, I, I do remember watching this back when I was, I don't know, 9, 10, maybe 11, and just that whole sequence playing out and not knowing what to expect. And knowing what the, the alien would eventually look like, the xenomorph would look like, but not knowing this is how it starts for it. Um, and remember just that, definitely uh, remember that scene quite well. Um, I think it's a, a fantastic scene and one of the best like horror death scenes ever, um, honestly, just the way it's played out. Um, so yeah, no, I think this is a fantastic scene. So it's good to be on the list. Yeah, just like horrific, honestly, to watch it play out. And uh, you know, I'm somebody who always thinks that like the fear of the unknown is often like some of the scariest stuff in horror movies. Um, and you get a little bit of that in this scene, but ultimately, I think this is one of the rare examples where like actually revealing the thing itself is actually the scariest part uh, because seeing what it looks like, the way it manifests itself, um, it really is, you know, even beyond what, how, you know, your wildest nightmares about what, how this thing could possibly manifest itself. So it's an iconic scene for a reason. Yeah, no, the scene's great. Uh, nothing against it. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen the film. I uh, have to rewatch it. I, I considered putting it on the list, but ultimately didn't. So, yeah, no, good pick. Um, I wish I played this better. I did not play this out better. I thought I was going to be the week after, but it's going to happen regardless. Uh, so coming to uh, Multiplex on Monday next week is The Roundtable, Episode 2. It features this movie. Um, it's Night of the Hunter. It's ever a wait, a leaning on the everlasting arms, um, scene. Um, I, I love this film. Um, I love it. Um, I brought it up on the round, I bring it up on the round table. It's my movie of the, the month, basically. And the way this was shot and the creepiness element of this scene just plays so perfectly. Basically, Robert Mitchum is sitting outside on a tree uh, tree stump and singing this song while the kids are asleep inside. The I don't know who plays the... I can't think of who plays the... Um, like the aunt or mom or who I guess it's the aunt and grandma. I don't, I don't know the relationship off the top of my head. But she's sitting there with a shotgun and guarding the house why he sings this in like the like uh, such an eerie way 
and then she joins in and sings like the different version of it, like different part of it, and like uh, and they're counteracting each other until the part of the scene where the girl walks up and she has a candle. There's a shot where she's sitting in the chair with a shotgun, and the outside you see him sitting there, and it's like they're so close but yet so far away. And the little girl walks up with the candle, and it's over Robert Mitchum. And when she's when the candle gets blown out, he's gone, and you have no idea where he went. But the song is still eerie. Like the thing they do in this entire movie is his voice like carries everywhere. Like he will he'll be riding across the like riding across the the town, or oh, and you'll hear him like singing. And they're like, does he ever give up? And this is just like one of those feelings that I want the movie. I suggest anybody go check it out if you haven't checked it out. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Watch it and then you can watch the round table and hear our discussion on it. Um, but yeah, um, this is my scene. Yeah, this is the best scene in the movie. Uh, and he's in there. I think it, Lillian Gish actually, I think, is the grand, plays the grandmother. She's doing the mm-hmm. Yeah, the silent. And uh, she's so good because the thing you didn't mention is he's singing this song and it's like he's basically like taunting them with it. Like he's like this, like like him say like, and the whole thing he he's pretending to be a creature, like he's 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 taking on this facade, but he's like this murderous criminal, um, but he's led people to believe that he's this virtuous man, and he's kind of like you know he's taunting them, he's mocking them, and he's singing this song, and it's terrifying, but the great thing is that she starts singing along with him, and it's such a great moment because it's like she's like okay you want to play let's play, and so she you know so he's singing and she starts singing right back to him. And it's like just like it's like such like a badass moment of her being like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of you. But also, it's her reclaiming everything that he's like made a mockery of, uh, with you know, with you know, his, this this guys he's he's taken on. Uh, so I just love that moment so much. And then, yeah, like you said, the light, the the the, ca- the, the camera comes out, wa- or the uh, candle comes out, washing everything out, so she can't see him anymore. That he's gone. Now, uh, you know, the whole the next like phase of the the story happens where. You know, we've got to figure out what he's going to do next. Um, but yeah, just haunting. And uh, like I said, Lily and Gish, they're both great. Uh, has anybody else seen this? And if so, do you have any comments on the scene? Unfortunately, I have not seen this movie. Me neither. Want to. So I got to watch it for the round table because it was Cody's pick. Um, I've been wanting to watch it for a long time. It definitely lives up to the hype. It's a fantastic movie. You know, you can hear me talk about it more on the round table, I guess. But I agree. This is the best scene. I think uh, everyone else has kind of hit the points of why um, the way that he sort of is appropriating the hymn, um, the the religious hymn, um, the way that he is also appropriating the figure of the preacher throughout the entire movie when it's really um, harboring something sinister, more sinister. And then her, who we learn is the more devout, the more... Um, prime example of what faith is supposed to look like singing the song as well you get the dichotomy there all in one scene Um, and it's well shot it's well acted it's creepy it's it's an amazing scene all right uh jake did you or um jack have you seen this one no okay all right so that's we're gonna bounce back over to jake then with jake's number uh 57 uh my number 57 i promise guys this will be the last book smart scene um, I just promise you right now, uh, Molly and Amy fight from Booksmart. Uh, yeah, Is I this the one I hinted at last week? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so I know it's crazy to have three scenes from Booksmart, like very easy, quick succession, uh, but I just love all the scenes and they also kind of play out uh, pretty similar. Like uh, the whole sequence at the club, I think is great. 
Yep. Uh, that's true. Uh, but this scene is definitely maybe my favorite scene. It is my favorite scene from the movie. Um, I, yes. He's, is he just show up in the chat every time someone says Booksmart? Yes. Crazy. Yes, he does. Um, I love the way this starts. So from He's last had way week, too many opportunities to do it, by the way. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, from last scene, you know, uh, the last scene we had, which is from last week, uh, uh, Amy uh, catches Ryan and uh, Nick uh, making out in the pool. And so then she realizes, oh, shit. Uh, we have this incredible one take sequence where she gets out of the pool and goes through the house and you see that there's hidden cuts, but the camera operator is the same guy who was on Birdman. I just wanted to shout him out and the fact that uh, Olivia Wilde was influenced by that movie for this film. Uh, you see her go through the house trying to find Molly and she finds Molly and Molly's having a time of her life. She's playing um, fucking you know, games with uh, Nick and just having a good time finally. And then Amy's like, we got to go. Like, this is, I, I want to leave. Like, let's leave. And then she calls Malala and Molly's just like, no, like, we're happy here. Let's just, you got a little bit wet. Let's just, let's just have a good time. And then she's like, no, we, we, I'm saying Malala, why don't you, let's, I do everything that you say. And then it starts to become this argument, like actual argument between these two friends who throughout the entire movie, you know how close and how great they are as friends. And this is finally like the moment that like, it sort of breaks for both of them. And that's when Amy reveals that she's not going to um, Botswana, yeah, Botswana for uh, for the summer. She's going there for the year. And so that's just like, that just screws up Molly's plan of like going to DC and, and all that sort of stuff. And Amy's just like, that was your plan. That was not my plan. And like, you, I always do everything that you want me to do. I just want to do something for myself. And then as the scene plays out, the music's pretty silent and everyone, the people in the background, as they get louder and louder, you start to see their their flashlight on their phones just pop up throughout the scene. They start recording and the music comes back in. It's just a somber piece of music. And this is all still done in that one take style. And it just goes through. And as point, they just get louder and louder. And it just becomes more of just an argument against each other. Say, you're a bad friend. You're a bad friend. Just that sort of stuff. And then as a point, the dialogue just cuts out and there's no sound from them. And it's just them. You just see them just arguing. You don't know what they're saying. And Olivia Wilde says in the commentary, like, they had dialogue for that scene and that was all played out. But then at a point, she was just like, let's just get rid of it. Like, at this point, it doesn't matter. They're just arguing. And I think that's just a really good uh, directing, uh, a director's uh, decision, a choice that the director can make just to, like, to give you enough information without over-explaining it. I just think that's why I really like her directing in the movie. And it just ends with... Uh, Amy running off and going to the bathroom. I just think, as a scene, it's played out so well, and we've seen that scene in so many movies. But it's true. Uh, but this is a scene that is presented in a different way, and I think that uh, that it's a, a really fantastic scene. So yeah, let it be known that Garth has taken credit for "Don't Worry, Darling." Um, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I, be careful, Darth. Yeah. Um, but uh, see, Cody, this is where we're at. You give Jake a hard or Jack a hard time because he has trouble articulating his thoughts on one of the greatest movie scenes of all time. But then we have to listen to Jake drone on for four minutes about a really forgettable scene from a pretty forgettable movie. Um, this is J Jake watching the third act of Booksmart is like the Vince McMahon meme. It's like karaoke. 
a swimming pool. They fight. <laughs> it's just, I mean, yeah, yeah. pretty good. Roasted. But uh, th- uh, yeah, uh, no more book smart. That's it. I, I swear it's stuck. It's you stuck. sure? Because something we're not going to go to the graduation scene next. I promise. Next. That act, but, uh, that's actually might be the best scene. So, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. oh, there's so many great scenes. But anybody, any, anybody have any thoughts on this scene? Another scene from Booksport. So when the pool and this combined is what I would consider like a really great scene, but I put them together because I don't watch Booksmart all the time. And the problem is, and I want to, you brought this up to me. Yeah, I understand. Jake talked a lot for Booksmart. The thing is, at the end of the night, you're not going to give Jake the win. You give, you give, uh, you gave uh, him the win. You gave Jack the win. So that's the problem in the theory. So, yeah. Good scene. I like this scene, but I compare, I combine it with the pool scene, and that's what I think of. And I, and I guess they're two different scenes, but I like it that way. Yeah, this scene is fantastic. I, I do really like it. I, I've been meaning to rewatch it, but then I saw Don't Worry Darling, and I don't really want to watch Olivia Wilde movies right now. So uh, we'll see. That might be a five minutes late with that one. Um. I don't think I have anything more to say. I really like Booksmart as well. This scene is is good. Uh, when, obviously not on my list. It's it's a good scene in a movie that is good. Period. All right, Jake, what else you got for us? All right. So this is one of my favorite action movies ever, and this is maybe this is my favorite action scene from this movie. Back when The Rock was still trying to make. See, you should be ashamed. Trying to become a legitimate actor, you know, showcase his talents. He made a movie called The Rundown, which I will say is a underrated action film forever and is uh, should be talked about more often because it is like legitimately fantastic action scenes. The Rock versus Spinning Tarzan Jiu Jitsu. Don't forget that, as Sean Scott says. Um, this scene is just like the fucking best thing ever. I love this scene so much. Uh, the Rock and Shaolin Scott have been captured by the rebels in the jungle, and Shaolin Scott knows the rebels and is like, "Hey, this guy is actually working for Thatcher. He's working for Christopher Walken. You should find him. You should beat him up." And so they have this one-on-one fight. I can't remember the actor's name. I'm sure Michael put it in the chat, but it's the guy that was in Surf Ninjas. He's like an actual, like, skilled uh, martial artist. Um, and he actually remember we were talking about. I think we were talking about this guy. I can't remember, but anyway. Um, and during the scene, it's just. It's speed versus strength. You see, The Rock is just like the most durable guy ever, biggest guy, and you have these small little guys who are just doing a bunch of flips and martial arts shits. There's that one shot where the guy just like just unlevels like a hundred punches into him in like five seconds. Um, the way it just starts with all these guys just beating the shit out of The Rock as this wire work, he just hits into a tree. They force him up into a tree, and he's, there's so many great stunts and. There's a point halfway through when The Rock takes back and starts taking over. Um, I remember watching this scene for the back for the first time like 10 years ago or so. And I just remember thinking, holy shit, why do people not talk about this movie as often as they do? And honestly, and I just think that the scene is like just the perfect representation of the action in the movie. Um, thank you, Garth. Any race to you. And I think more people should talk about it and should watch the scene because it's just, uh, it's, so much more impressive than people give the movie credit for. Um, and through the action, I just think it's a, 
it's a highlight. Um, yeah, so people, please watch this movie. It's underrated. It, it's really not, Jake. This this scene is <laughs> it's not good at all. Um, the the action is okay. It's the editing is terrible. The scene is edited like Liam Neeson climbing a fence. It's not that bad. No, ed- it's it awful. You, you don't see any like blow like go from like pull back to hit. Like everything is just chop chop. There's you talk about this. There's no stunts in this. Cause like oh he's what? swinging no. and then they cut to oh Wait, he falls from the tree. Yeah, it's cut like four times. Like everything that's just not, cut, no, cut, 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 cut. This editing is terrible. It has like video game physics. It has like it just there's no like reality to it. There's no base reality at all. Like you just they just keep keep kicking the rock. These little guys just keep kicking rock up in the air. And like it's like kick and they oh cut to the rock in the air. Then cut to him getting kicked again. Then cut to him in the air. It makes no sense. It's 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 really really bad filmmaking. Actually, it's a bad scene. I don't know even like I don't even know how you consider this good, let alone top one hundred scenes of all time. It's, um, it's pretty hard to watch. Uh, everybody else on uh, the spinning gins, it's scene, whatever. Nah. No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Garth, they made it. They, they um, may have done great stunts, but in the editing room, you were just saying they was bad. Out. No, well, well, Garth is saying, telling me he said there were no stunts. stunts. Well, th- there may have been, but they're not. In, they, there may have been that's, that's stunts, stunts on set, but there's none in the scene because they get chopped. Um, okay, so here's the thing: this is no Walking Tall, which is The Rock early, still in WWE best movie. Um, what that means. Walking Tall sucks. What are you talking about? Walking Tall is a great, great movie. Um, <laughs> man gets a two by four and just beats the shit out of people in a small oh, town yeah, over a casino. It's great. Um, this movie, uh, oh boy. Um, I saw this movie way too much when I was younger because I was still into WWE. So anytime The Rock was in something, that means you have to watch it. Um, the physics in this scene makes zero sense. Zero sense. Um, his body should be broken in like seven spots. He gets sent into the air like like 50, like 30, 50 feet in the air and falls through a bunch of trees and lands on his back. He also gets like swung at one point, drop kicked and kicked again. Like and he goes all over the places. My favorite scene is the rock ends up like on his stomach or whatever, or his back. He ends up flipping around and taking both of his feet and kicking backwards at two people. I watched the scene while you guys were talking. I I watched it while you and Jake. There are so many cuts. This thing is like this thing is like those families or those birthday part of those uh, school parties where some uh, mom buys like two pieces of two pizzas and they cut them into like sixteen or eighteen slices and you get like a sliver. There's so many cuts. It's not even. It's not even. It's nowhere as bad as like the Olivia Megaton. He calls him Kansas City one more time too. Like it's a little Kansas City, and I think he still rock bottoms him at the end, which is like the proof that his move always works. So it's Christopher Walken's pretty good in this movie if you really include him. Like with this, no. Exactly. Uh, definitely picked up for like. I've got nothing to say about the movie. I don't remember the scene. If yeah, I ever win that Oscars bet, I'm gonna make someone watch that movie. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I still have the right. Tell me who you I'm want. still waiting for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I still have it. Like, so tell me who you want, and I'll give it to him. <laughs> We'll discuss it later. Um, so I guess we're up to my number 55? Five, yes, please. 
Um, okay, so we've had a couple of scenes from Collateral, and I've got one more, which I think is the best scene. It's also the smallest, it's the shortest scene, maybe. Um, it's probably the shortest yeah, scene homie. on my list. What's that? Yo, homie, is that my briefcase? Is that brief- I mean, that's a great scene, but no. Paul fucking says it all the time. I love him, but yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the coyote scene from Collateral. Um, this is just a very simple scene where Max and Vincent just driving after, I believe this is after the nightclub scene, or maybe, it, I'm pretty sure it's after that scene, maybe before. Um, and they just stop at on a road, and you just see a few coyotes just walk through. And then you have fucking Audio Slave play, what's the fucking song? Shadow on the Sun play. Completely just of the time of 2004, the type of music that would play. But just this small scene between Vincent just having this look and seeing the coyotes. They just have like this, like, just a little bit of a stare down, and then that's it, and they just walk out. Um, and that's it. Like, just pretty much just represents what the movie's about and how there are some people who are the hunters and some people are the hunted. And the coyote, coyotes just walking through Los Angeles. It's just like a really just like fantastic little scene and just like a great idea. I completely forgot about the scene um, when I rewatched it. So when it happened, I was like, fuck, that's like just a really cool idea. And I like that Michael Mann just had something like that. Um, they talk about how they would just like drive through Los Angeles uh, like early in the morning and then eventually they knew they would find coyotes so they were able to film that. Um, I think it's just a really nice small little scene. It's just, you know, a little bit of brevity for the movie, especially after like the, the action that's just happened. So it's really nice and beautiful. So, yeah. uh, it's been a while. I've been meaning to rewatch this, and especially for a show because you guys have less uh, scenes in it, but I just haven't had a chance to. And um, it sounds cool, but I don't remember it. Like you said, it's pretty fast. So it's probably just like a, like a blink and a miss kind of thing, maybe. Um, but uh, so I don't have much on this one. Anybody else have anything on this scene for collateral? I forgot about the scene until you started talking about it. Not one of my favorite moments in collateral, but it's a good moment, but not top 100. I, I just don't know how you could include this scene over the red. I. I rewatched the scene because it's a minute scene, and like <laughs> it felt 2004. I don't know why this one ranks so high for you, but you know what? You have taste in movies that are different than mine, so you know that's fair. Yeah, this is the most Michael thing that you've ever done, which is basically just to pick a scene that is just audio slave playing in the movie. Wasn't my choice. If Michael had been on the list, he would have had multiple scenes that were just like a minute long of a band playing in a movie. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's cool in the context of the movie. It's not a scene that I think about outside of that, really, or think about for the purposes of this type of list. But it's a great movie. So, uh, you know, shout out for that reason. Okay, uh, that was your 55. So 54, Jake. Uh, one of the greatest comedic scenes that has been ever put to film. I'm a big fan of Trainspotting, and no one ever talks about T2 Trainspotting. Uh, T2 Trainspotting, underrated masterpiece. There's one standout scene, the No More Catholics Left scene from T2 Trainspotting. Uh, Mark and Simon have gone into this pub, and it's a bunch of, it's run by, um, it's filled with uh, Protestants, um, and they're still relishing over a victory against the Catholics back in the 1590, 1690, 1690. Um, and they basically have a scam where they're going to steal all their credit cards. And knowing them, they're probably just going to, their code's going to be 1690. Uh, so they just want to steal a bunch of money. So they're going through, 
stealing all the cards. I knew exactly Cameron was going to bring it up. Uh, and as they're about to leave, the, uh, the bodyguard, the fucking, you know, security guard stands and says, hey, you need to play a song before you can leave. So they're like, fuck, what do we do? So Simon's on the pianos. He doesn't know how to play, so he just plays like a really basic key and Renton's just like, I'll just improv. Um, we have this scene where they like kind of fuck up and then they realize, oh, wait, let's just let's get these people crazy about it. And so they just go, by the time is over, there were no more Catholics left. And then you have this like five second like moment of silence and they just don't know what's going to happen. And then the entire audience starts cheering over this, like just this just fucking just saying that there are no more Catholics left. And they just keep saying it over and over again. And it just gets everyone going crazy and jumping up and going to the beat. Uh, and it's just really funny. Of the way it plays out and then it ends with them leaving and then just stealing a bunch of money from from atms um i also just love the way the the film the scene opens simon tells his girlfriend veronica if we're not back in an hour call the cops and then veronica's like what should i tell them and simon's just like just tell them we're dead and uh i think the scene's really uh really funny and uh no one talks about t2 and i just wish people saw the movie and realized how kind of like unappreciated it is because it was a uh, secret masters <clears throat> Okay, first of all, uh, on this show we call the movie Train Spotting Two because there's only ah, one T two. Uh, but Here I have never seen two. either of these movies. Uh, I watched this scene out of context, and I enjoyed it in that. <clears throat> I enjoyed it out of context, just watching the because it, it is funny. Just the two of them up there trying to come up with this, and you and you and singing. Um, and getting the crowd into it. I always like those scenes in movies. They're always fun where it's like you got the crowd against you and then you figure out a way to get them on your side. Um, and then I, the, the part, what the, the, the scene that I had access to kind of ended with them like taking the credit card. So I didn't know what was happening on there. Mm. Uh, but like, I, I kind of wish I'd known more. I probably would have enjoyed the scene more if I understood that there was like a kind of like a crime element to it, heist element to it, whatever. Um, but no, it's fun. Uh, those two are, uh, what's the name of the other actor? In the, John uh, Lamilla. Yeah, they're both they're both really good in it. So uh, fun scene. Anybody else seen this? Anybody else got? Uh, I haven't. I haven't seen either of the train spotting movies, and I really want to. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna assume Holtzman is talking about Terrifier too, and not the other one. But um, <laughs> anyway, I have seen this. I definitely recommend the movie. I also think it's a lot of fun um, and underrated. Um, and yeah, I I've only seen it once. So I had forgotten about this scene. But then when you mentioned it, I like it instantly came back to me. And yes, it is one of the more fun scenes in the movie. And just the idea that um, they're going to half-ass this song and all you have to do is really say no more Catholics and you can just turn it into, you know, <laughs> this entire bar going crazy. So it's it's a funny idea and a funny execution. Good movie. All right, but not uh, better than Terminator 2. Scott, we're coming back, back over to you for your 57 now. All right, uh, my 57 is the confronting the shark scene from The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Um, so, of course, sort of the setup for the movie is that Steve Zizou has made this documentary in which um, one of his crew members was killed by this jaguar shark, right? Which is this thing that you're not even really sure whether it actually existed or not. Um, and he sort of the driving force in some respects of the plot is that he is trying to track down the same shark that killed his friend and, um, and killed the shark. And obviously it turns into a movie about a lot more than that. Uh, but finally at the end of the movie, they discover, they find the same Jaguar shark. And of course, at this point, 
his son, Ned, uh, played by Owen Wilson, has been killed. Spoiler alert. Um, and it's just all of them sort of in the front of the sub. Um, him and, and, you know, all of the crew members and um, his family that's left. Um, Angelica Houston. Um, you know, just sort of everybody who's a major character in the movie. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, he's a harsh sort of off-putting character. It's a bit of an abrasive movie at times. And all of a sudden this scene happens and it's sort of just a really lovely scene. And there's a Seeger Ross song um, underscoring it, which is really, you know, pretty song to listen to. But, you know, he finds the shark finally and he decides he can't kill it. Number one, because he doesn't have any dynamite, uh, which is, you know, just funny Wes Anderson humor. But number two, because it's actually kind of a beautiful moment. And that moment, he stops being sort of the angry, cynical person that we see Steve being for the rest of the movie. And um, he appreciates, he can appreciate the beauty of the shark and he can appreciate the beauty of sort of his surroundings, right? And the fact that he's around all these people who have stuck with him despite all of his issues and problems and failings in life. Um, and so it becomes this nice sort of communal moment um, that you really don't expect again, based on the way that the movie has gone, but it really sort of takes the movie to a whole nother level for me. I think it's his Wes Anderson's most underrated movie. I really love it. Um, and this scene is a huge reason why. Also, there's like, again, there, there's still great comedy in it, even though it's a more introspective scene because uh, Steve hits his like hand over on Kate Blanchett's like stomach because she's about to have a baby. And she says like, oh, in 12 years, he'll be 11 and a half. And, uh, and Steve goes, that's my favorite age. Um, it's just a, a funny moment in the scene, uh, but also the emotion in it as well. Yeah, yeah I rewatched this for the first time a long time earlier this year. Um, the movie as a whole um, isn't like a higher rated Wes Anderson for me, uh, but yeah, this is this is a solid sweet scene. It's really sweet. Uh, just you know, like you said, like it kind of brings everybody who's left together with him. And he has this moment where he kind of becomes like the purest version of himself because he realized, like you said, he's back to what he's like. His whole purpose supposedly is to like find these creatures and, you know, connect with them. And he does that here. So I think it's pretty cool. And like, like you said, he's been through the death of the sun and all the emotional beats. Um, and he's kind of like connecting with all the people he hasn't been able to connect with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I there's a lot of other Wes Anderson scenes that I would put on this list, but I think this is probably the one of the best ones from this movie. So if you're going to put one from this movie again, decent choice. Uh, everybody else on the Jaguar shark from Life Aquatic. Uh, fantastic scene. Fantastic movie. Fantastic filmmaker. Uh, I think this is a great scene. I really like the scene. Um, there are a couple that I prefer, but uh, this is definitely just like the most like quietest, but in a nice retrospective sort of way where he just sort of realizes that like there's no point in killing this creature anymore like i can appreciate the beauty basically what scott has been saying um yeah i, I just think that people should like with addison's films more because he's like an actually kind of an interesting filmmaker that we should respect and appreciate exists asswipe director asswipe movie uh, probably asked why I've seen. He probably cares more about like, oh, look at the shark and what it's doing versus the my actual screenplay and the people talking. So no, thank you. So you haven't seen nothing. it? No, I haven't seen it. There's no point to see this. Yeah, Wes Anderson. <laughs> Never mind. No, I, I've seen. Mind. I've seen five of his films and they're garbage. 
Maybe the other ones are good. You'll All never right. know. Fantastic Mr. Fox sucked. Great. Okay, film. Number 56. Um, I have the triple axle scene from I, Tanya. Um, I love this movie. Um, and I will say about this scene, it's not like necessarily a scene that has like a lot of deeper resonance to it. It's just like an awesome scene to watch and like a really sort of pump you up motivational type scene. Uh, because obviously Ta everyone is telling Tanya that she can't do it, especially her mother. She like hires a dude to stand there and boo her right before she's about to go on the ice um, to, tr to attempt the triple axel. And so she's not in the right frame of mind. Um, but she goes out there and, you know, it's, a, it's this great buildup with her sort of giving a voiceover. Um, and then she nails the, uh, the trick and actually it's the effects, the actual performance of the trick, because it's so hard to do that. Like couldn't really find anyone to do it. Um, but, uh, it, you wouldn't really notice cause it's done very smoothly, but then just like the slow motion of her, like skating up with like the triumphant look on her face. It's like the only time she really gets to have a win in the whole movie. Um, and just that brief hold on her face there. Again, it's like, it's so brief, it's so fleeting. Um, but you really feel for her in that moment that she's finally, you know, achieved what she wanted to. And then like it slaps, it snaps out of the slow-mo and like you hear, uh, feels like the first time by a foreigner as she's like skating around. And it's like just a, a great use of the song. And again, just kind of a fist pumping moment um, in a movie that doesn't necessarily have a lot of those. Uh, but a movie I I love nonetheless. So this is just kind of a personal enjoyment scene, I guess, is why it makes the list. Yeah, yeah you mean. I think what uh, sports movies, sports biopics do, biopics in general, but sports ones especially, what they do best is when they take a character that's kind of unlikable, and then they just show like the drive they have and they kind of put you in a position where you like have to respect it, even though you might not like the person, might not like what they've done uh, or how they've gotten there. Like you respect that and they give you that moment. They share that, you know, you share that moment with them. And I think it does this really well. I love this movie. I think it's great. Um, I think she's great in it. And yeah, like this, it looks, it looks real. Like it looks fantastic and it recreates this, you know, the actual scene really well. Um, like you said, the song is just, just like, it has like that, like movie and the, like, you know, that movie moment. And then it goes back when it hits that song, like it's basically back into her character and who she, you know, who she is. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I love this movie and I think this is probably the right pick of scenes or at least a handful of scenes from this. Uh, everybody else on the triple axle. Uh, yeah. Uh, Good pick from the movie. Uh, didn't make my top hundred. I've only seen the film once. Uh, I I I, I want to rewatch it, but yeah, no, uh, solid pick. Uh, I haven't seen this movie since the theater, and uh, my I remember liking it, but as the years has gone, the years have gone by, it's sort of just gone down for me, and now I just uh, have no interest in the movie. If it just to let everybody know if it did make Jack's list, it would have been a yikes. Um, other than that, um, yeah, I just have never gravitated towards that movie. I guess just because of ingrained in sports knowledge for so long about the incident and everything, and even finding out like not crazy. I rewatched the scene while you were talking. I think it's a cool scene, but it just doesn't get over that level. I think the performances in the movies are great, and I think there's some good performance scenes from this. 
but maybe I guess this one, like technical and looking wise, it would be like the best for a seamless, but it's it wouldn't make mine. Yeah, the scene where she's in the courtroom is also a close. If you're talking about like the acting, is is probably a close second as well. But um, okay, uh, my fifty-five. Another sort of sports adjacent movie. Um, it's everybody wants some. Uh, the baseball practice scene. Um. So I mean, obviously, this is one of my favorite movies. I've talked about it a lot. Um. What I love is that the movie um, really sets up all of the characters for a long time before we ever see them play baseball. Like, we know, obviously, they're on a baseball team. They talk about baseball a lot. They're like classic baseball dudes. But we don't actually see them play baseball um, until pretty deep into the movie. And I think that just makes it so much more engaging and enjoyable when we actually do get to the baseball scene. Uh, because we understand all of their personalities now. And it's fascinating to watch how all of those dynamics play out in that competitive atmosphere that is clearly driving all of them so much. Um, yes, Paul mentions that Whip It um, is used in the scene, uh, the, the Devo song, which is great. Um, and there's so many little like scenes within the scene, which are so perfect. Like you have them pointing out the scout, like the, you know, the master of disguise, Pete Ward, who's supposedly painting the house outside the stadium. They're like, there he is, Pete Ward. Um, and you have like the whole thing that goes on between Mick Reynolds and Jay Niles, Jay Niles being the crazy pitcher and them sort of having a duel and Jay Niles just being insane and throwing a baseball out of the stadium completely like he's Trevor Bauer um, and, uh, Mick Reynolds just like being done with his crap really. Uh, and finally, you know, taking him deep and, uh, that sort of moment where they make up and he just like slaps him on the butt. Uh, and Mick Reynolds is just like so annoyed with the guy. Um, but yeah, there's so many fun moments in this scene. Finally, it ends up right with them doing the freshman batting practice, right? Which is where they tape them to the fence and start hitting, uh, baseballs at the fence, like trying to hit them. Um, and so, it, like I said, it's, there's a lot of fun moments and little scenes within the scene, but also it's great, like, to see all of the character dynamics, like Mick Reynolds, the tryhard, right? Jay Niles, the crazy guy, um, you know, so on and so forth. Finn, like the weird mad scientist, um, all of that play out on the, on the baseball field, um, which obviously a lot of the movie, um, is building towards. Okay, uh, talk about the scene. Scene only. Uh, funny scene. I enjoy it. I think it's probably the most enjoyable scene. I think it's the most, the most likable. These characters, not necessarily likable, but enjoyable to watch. These characters are, um, especially what's the, what's the crazy pitcher's name again? Jay Niles. Yeah. Jay Niles. Yeah, he's he's the highlight of it. Like just him, all the goofy stuff he's doing, but everybody interacting with him, um, and just watching like all the team camaraderie, camaraderie stuff is fun too. Um, so yeah. Good scene. Uh, everybody else on the bat baseball practice for everybody wants something. Great scene. Um, wish I would have watched it or rewatched it uh, to, for this list, but that's a really great scene. It would probably be the one I would pick. Uh, I have seen this movie. Um, I very much enjoy it. Um, I like the scene. Um, yeah, no, I think it's it's pretty good. Uh, just yeah, baseball sports. Yeah. Uh, this movie actually makes me kind of enjoy it more than I ever thought I would. So there's something for that. Yeah, and I, I, I said I haven't seen this scene or this movie. So. 
All right, uh, Scott, number 54. Fix that, uh, Jack. Um, all right. This actually worked out perfectly. So 54, I have my favorite scene for my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, this is the monologue into the camera from the Blair Witch Project. Um, the like greatest example of someone really believing someone is in like genuine actual terror um, that I've ever seen in a movie. And it's like, of course, the insane like history surrounding this movie is that Heather Donahue's performance was like so reviled that she basically never worked in a significant film again, even though her performance in this, like I said, is like the closest you will get to seeing like real fear from an actor. And, you know, again, they were actually out there in the woods filming it for a while. They, uh, you know, were, were not in the ideal filming circumstances. So I'm sure some of that played a role in it as well. Um, but, you know, this is basically when, you know, everything has gone to hell and she's basically starting to started to accept that she's never getting out of this forest. Uh, she's never getting out of the woods. And so it's kind of her last, um, you know, letter diary note to her, her family. Um, and you can just see like, again, the pure fear in her eyes and um, the camera is just shoved right up into her face. There's like snot coming out. Like, again, it's all, it's all there on the screen. Um, and just her being so paranoid about it to the point that like she gets, you know, she gets to do her monologue there for like a minute, minute and a half. And then all of a sudden she just like breaks off and is like, what's that noise? And you don't even hear anything really when you're watching it. So you don't even know if there's something out, like if she actually did hear something or if she's just so in her head at this point that it's like, she can't even have a single moment of introspection because you know, whatever is out there is still like looming large and close by and who knows what it is and what it looks like. And again, obviously that's the brilliance of the movie. Um, so I think it's insane, honestly, watching it nowadays that Heather Donahue's performance would have been anything but like celebrated. Um, but really just the whole scene and the whole movie is, is per is perfect. And, um, this, um, again, her portrayal of real fear it, in this scene, you understand why people thought that this actually happened when you watch a scene like this, because she looks scared as hell. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, I, this scene is unfairly, I think just looked back at now because, because it's been like, you know, spoofed and mocked so much that, you know, it's kind of, people kind of look at it as a joke, but the first time you watch this movie, it's, I mean, it's terrifying. And like you said, the, this character is so throughout the movie, like, okay, we just got to keep walking. We'll be fine. You know, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing out here. We're by ourselves. Let's just get, let's just get home. And like this moment of acceptance is so heartbreaking because like you said, she knows now this is, this is real and it's never happening. You know, we're not getting out of here. And you hear, so again, this is another movie you hear stories about. I don't know how much they're true about kind of how they were left out there. And I don't, uh, abuse is probably too strong a word, but they were kind of messed with to the point where to, to push to get these performances from them uh, mm -hmm. while they were cut out in the wilderness and left to their, to their own devices. Um, but, and I think all three of them, I mean, I think she's probably the best performance, but I think all three of them kind of got a, a raw okay. deal. Just be this being their first movie and the way it was marketed. Um, I don't think any of them ever had a really, really a chance to get out from under this movie. Um, and it's a shame because they were all good, but I, I don't think any of them ever really did anything after this. Um, 
but yeah, no, uh, fantastic scene and a fantastic movie. Uh, everybody else in the Blair Witch monologue. I haven't seen this movie. Ooh. Uh, I've seen scenes from this movie. I've never seen the whole film. Wow. Uh, Jack, you're, Jack, Jack, you're not missing anything. This movie is literally laughable. Oh. It's just laughable at this point in time. Like, I get it at the time. You can say what you want about this film at the time. Yeah, I bet it was groundbreaking. This scene is laughable. Like, uncomfortable laughing at this scene. Because she is terrible overall. The entire movie's really bad. The movie's set up bad. The movie is explained really bad. And then overall, her snot bubble's the best thing about the whole film. Like, when she snots, no one snots better than this woman right here. But overall, best scene, best modeling from a horror film? Please! That's a joke. You know, you know who's on your side with this one? Sussy. Huh? <laughs> Subti agrees with you on this one. Yeah, no, but that's the thing. When you saw this originally, I get everything. But when I'm not the horror guy, so general for I guess big horror fans, check it out because it's the first found footage film. But over than that, don't check it out. Like it's not, it does not live up to any of the hype that that movie has. Okay. Uh, so that was Scott. Like King Kong Thirty Three. Oh my God. Fifty. Four for Scott, so we go back to uh, we're we'll come back around to Jack for his fifty-three. All right, uh, my fifty-three is the last duel from the last duel. Yeah, this scene is phenomenal. Uh, having this in the theater with my brother, we don't like to talk about that though. Uh, this is one of the best scenes I, I've seen in a theater uh, in my life. It's incredible it's absolutely brutal uh and the uh, it's it's the uh, moment that seals the scene as truly phenomenal is the look that matt damon gives jody comer at the end where you don't know if he even believes her uh at uh, at all and this the the sheer brutality of this scene where uh when he stabs Adam Driver through the mouth, uh, where he stabs Jacques Legree through the mouth, uh, killing him, just one of the one of the uh, most incredible things that I've seen put to film, and it's a crime, an absolute crime that uh, they got zero nominations at the Oscars because it, it should have been like best director nominated. It's incredible. This scene. I could I could watch it at any point in the day. Like it's one of the best uh, battle scenes in recent memory for me. Fantastic. Yeah, no, this is a great scene. Uh, and you're right. Watch this in the theater is it was just it was exhausting. It was just so it was just it felt like work, not in a, in a good way or not in a bad way because you know it just goes on forever and there's and you don't know how it's going to end. You know what's at stake, you know, if it goes a certain way. And um, there's just so many, like, false finishes in it where, you know, it looks like, oh, you know, he's dead or, you know, he killed him or whatever. And it just goes on and on. And, um, you know, just her performance watching this and kind of having to just accept, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then the two of them, you know, Matt Damon doing it mostly, like, kind of, you know, defending her, but also, like, doing it for himself more than anything. And, you know, just... and 
the movie having told you all of their perspectives leading up to this kind of adds so much more to it because you know exactly what they're thinking and why they're doing it. I think that was really a brilliant way to tell the story, and um, it's a great climax for it. But like I said, I mean, holy crap, that, that fight just goes on and on and on. And it's not like it doesn't drag. It's not. It's, it's really well paced. It's just, you know, you're just, oh, just God, let this end because it's just so brutal to watch. Uh, everybody else on The Last Duel in The Last Duel. Yeah. Um, great scene. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I I only laughed because of where it was and where Eugene was. I think it's funny. Um, but uh, the reason why I, this movie was made perfectly for me. Um, I knew when it came out, I was really worried about the overhype. Um, and I agree. I think this movie was very underseen by a lot of people, and I think it deserves a lot more eyes on it. I think it's brilliant. Um, when she steps forward at the end, like to make sure, like she shows her presence, like at the, the like what's in this, basically. Um, and then the then you be damned uh, as he shoves the sword through him is just like yeah, because like he's trying to like work his way out of it. Basically, because of his political pull, basically the entire movie of how he can talk his way out of any situations, and he just sentences him down to death right then. And I think it's, I think it's a brilliant end to this movie. I think this movie is just brilliant how it's shot overall. So, um, good choice. Uh, great, really, really, really good scene. Um, great movie, but yeah, like I echo Cody's sentiment. Like, I wish more people had seen this movie, and I wish with Jack, like it got more uh, attention at the Oscars. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is the scene I would pick personally um but it is definitely like a great climax sort of the the resolution of what has what we've been told and what we've seen um so i definitely like it as as a scene to end like the, the climax um but uh yeah i don't know I, just, I think it's a really good scene yeah well the problem was that they campaigned the wrong ridley scott movie uh, for Oscars, even though I like House of Gucci, it's this is clearly the better film. Um, but yeah, it's a great pick. It's a great movie. I totally agree. Um, you know, the way that everything leads up to this scene and then, you know, the final moment, Matt Damon, like covered in, you know, blood and everything and beaten to a pulp, basically. And, you know, they're looking at each other and you realize he was in this for this freaking land the whole time. He didn't, he never cared about her or, or her honor or any of that. Um, and so there's just sort of that haunting sort of soul crushing moment at the end of it, when you realize all of this duel was for nothing, right? Like it's, it's a well-constructed, well-choreographed fight scene and everything, but you really get no pleasure out of watching it because it shouldn't be happening and there's no good result that comes out of this, except I guess, you know, that, that Marguerite Jodie Comer's character gets to live because of what happened. Um, but that is really the bare minimum. So that's exactly the perfect, you know, that's how you should feel during the scene. It shouldn't be like an epic gladiator style, like let's freaking go type action scene. So they got that right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cody, what is your number 53? Uh, 53, it was yikes earlier. It's the mess around scene uh, from playing Strange and Automobiles. That's yeah, it. and that was, I think, my top, my 191. Yeah. Um, 
practical comedy of how John Candy is able to in the scene of just like it goes on this full on like concert routine of playing the the mess around as he's like singing and dancing through the entire thing where it leads basically his whole the whole scene is where I'm talking about is the scene where he mess around but he's also driving uh, ends up going into the <laughs> wrong way on traffic um, ends up playing uh, the mess around. Uh, um, and then try when well, Steve Martin's trying to sleep and he's blaring this music, dancing around, ends up, you know, um, and I think it's just a brilliant scene of him copying, like how he's at, interacting the entire time in the car. So, uh, Jake, I'll let you take it from here because I've talked about uh, this movie. Uh, yeah, so I had it at uh, 93. Um, I just love the, the comedic, like, genius of the idea of you have them going literally the wrong way on the road and you have the other car like honking at them like you're going the wrong way and then john candy's like they're drunk how do they know where we're going yeah how do they know <laughs> you got that sort of shit. and then when they go through the trucks and just sort of the madness in both their eyes they see each other like you you have the visual gag of steve martin as a skeleton and then Steve Martin sees John Candy as the fucking devil. <laughs> it's just like so fucking perfect. And that is just one of my favorite visual gags ever. Just John Candy laughing maniacally as dressed up as the devil, as Satan. Um, it will never, never leave me as far as I'm concerned. Um, hilarious scene. Um, and just the stuff that John Candy does in that scene is just really funny. The part where he goes... <sighs> Uh, is, is incredible. A great gift I use a lot of times. Uh, yeah, you know, we talked about this movie a little bit earlier, and John Candy, the, the thing that sets him apart is his sincerity and his authenticity. Uh, how, you know, he's, he's funny, but he's also very real. Like, I think of a lot of other comedians, if you had put them in this uh, scene, just how over the top it would have been and how kind of ridiculous and how that would have just taken away from it. And um, I think he's one of the few that could make this work. Um, and the, the whole movie, but again, like the, this kind of comedic moment, um, is just so perfectly tailored to, for him and what he does. Uh, Jack and Scott, you guys did not have this. Uh, what are your thoughts on this scene in particular? I love this scene, but I limited myself to one per film, so it didn't make the list. And I still haven't seen it since it came up earlier in the show tonight. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake, what have you been doing? Give us your Watching the Hornets. My number 53. Uh, yeah, my number 53 is my favorite car chase ever, I would probably say. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof, the final car chase. Um, just an, I know Cody's going to say this movie sucks, but we're talking about the scene, not the movie. Um, this is just incredible filmmaking, and I wish Tarantino made something like this. Like, I don't think he will. He's gonna, he says he's going to make one more movie, which is upsetting. But as far as, like, car chases goes, this is one of the best. Um, it starts with the three girls, Rosario Dawson, uh, I can't remember. Zoe Bell, I can't remember. What's his name? Fucking, I just looked it up. Mary Elizabeth uh, Winston? Uh, Tracy, Tracy Thomas. They're, oh. they're, they're test uh, driving the uh, Vanishing Point car, um, which they, they looked at, and uh, they decide to play this game where Zoe Bell is riding on the hood of the car, um, for shits and giggles, whatever it's a game they like to play, Zoe Bell playing herself, which is amazing. 
Um, and Stuntmate Mike uh, is with his binoculars uh, seeing them and is like, I'm going to have some fun and decides to uh, fuck with them, essentially. Uh, crashes into them. And he basically, it's like, you know, predator prey sort of situation of him just like destroying the car. And Zoe Bell is doing everything that you're seeing in the film. Like the way she's still holding on, there's no why. She's just, it is crazy how they did it. I mean, Zoe Bell was one of the best like stunt actors like currently working today. Um, and then it just, that part ends with her flying off the hood. And then I think, I think it's Zoe, I think it's, it could be Tracy shoots fucking uh, Kirk Russell in the arm and he drives off. And then you see the part where they all think Zoe Bell's dead and she's like, I'm okay. All good. And then they all decide to go and get revenge against the guy. And as he's waiting, they just smash into his car and then it's inverted. Now they're the hunters and he's the hunted. And we have the scene where he is just whining and he's just like crying. He's like, I'm sorry. It was just a joke. Um, and this whole scene now, Tracy Tom's just like goes full on mental and just is like just deranged and just constantly bashing into him. There's a part where they go onto the highway um, which is really great. Um, that's just the way that it's designed. And like, I'm just thinking continuity and editing the way it's still like perfectly uh, feels like the actual chase. And then there's Italian music that plays throughout the scene, which I would listen to like a bunch uh, back in like the 2014, 2014, 2015. Um, and it's just, then it ends with them smashing the car, tumbling over. And then you have, <laughs> I love that Michael coming. And then them just beating the shit out of him. And then it ends with them jumping up in the air and then the end. Like a perfect ending. Um, a perfect like 20 minute long scene of just two great car chases and then an ending where they uh, triumph over Stuntman Mike. Uh, and it's fantastic. The stunts and the choreography and the chase uh, is brilliant. And I think uh, this is definitely his most underappreciated movie. Maybe Jackie Brown, but... Uh, this is definitely my favorite as far as like his underappreciated films goes, which is crazy to say about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tarantino's revenge era, revenge fantasy era. And I think it like starts with this. Um, I mean, it's basically two halves and the, the beginning with, you know, her out on the hood is really fun because it's like, like you said, like it just has a whole other bit where like somebody's actually out. They're not just being chased. There's somebody on the outside of the car. And not only do they have to get away, but they have to keep this person on the car, keep him alive. And then when it like the you know when they flip the script on him, like I just love that scene where he's like just you know he's built up this facade, this character the whole time, and then like that just completely crumbles and fades away. And you know he's just breaking down and crying like a baby. Uh, and then like they just the, the, the again the revenge portion just goes on forever. But like that's what's great about it is he finds these like victims that like you want to see pay. So like it's okay, like you're fine with it going on for a long time because you want to see everything that happens to him happens to him. So yeah, I think I don't love the movie. Um, I mean, I think he he's called it his worst, so you know I'll take his word for it. Um, but I, that doesn't mean I think it's terrible. I just don't think it's that great. But I think like the ending is pretty intense, pretty fun. Uh, everybody else on the car chase from Death Proof. Of it's Tarantino's films, it's my least favorite, but this is a really fun scene. Uh, definitely the scene you're gonna pick if you're gonna pick a scene from this movie. So, yeah, uh, don't hate it, but wouldn't make my top 100. It's just a cool ass movie. Like, this is just Tarantino saying, I'm just gonna make a movie and just do a bunch of cool shit that I want to do. Like, he gets the freaking car from Vanishing Point and like they're they're just out there doing it and there's nothing to the movie except 
you know, we have a crazy guy who kills women by crashing into their cars. And now here's a group of women who say, you know, we're not going to be killed. And in fact, we're going to turn the tables on you and do exactly what you've done to you. Um, And yeah, it's just, uh, it's fun. It's thrilling to watch. It's, um, it's exciting because you know how authentic it is and how much Tarantino is sort of like paying homage to all of these old car chase um, flicks that obviously have influenced him. So great pick. The movie is black. The scene is pretty cool. Okay. I think you're muted, Kirk. You're 53, Scott. Um, This has just become the series of mentioning Mission Impossible scenes, but I promise this is my last one. Uh, It's the best one, in my opinion, the helicopter chase and cliff fight from Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, yeah, I mean, this one's pretty hard to beat, in my opinion. You have, uh, you have Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill, uh, you know, going at each other in the helicopters first, and then, you know, they crash, they're skidding, like, off the edge of the cliff, basically. We also have the explosion that's about to happen, um, and, like, it's cross-cutting between them fighting and then, like, Benji and Ilsa trying to, um who are who are fighting the one guy and are like tied up um and i guess it's one of them is like hanging basically um and so there's there's a you know two pretty awesome action scenes going on sort of at the same time uh, and you know they're they're fighting on the edge of the cliff and he's skidding to the cliff and you have the detonator and it's like one second and he's got a you know it's it's all the mission impossible type stuff like it it is one of the moments where you really feel like, oh, they're not actually going to be able to complete the mission because there's so much that has to go perfectly. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's so exciting to watch the um, the effects, the fact, you know, that that's Tom Cruise up there. Um, and it, it is really just one thing after the other, just continuously escalating and raising the bar. And it feels like, again, the... Mission Impossible, of all the great action scenes in the series, it feels like this is the one where they just kind of threw the whole kitchen sink in and we're like, we're going to do the best of everything that we've ever done in this franchise, and it works beautifully. It's a good action scene. Um, Honestly, like, I don't need Tom Cruise to pilot the helicopter himself. Like, if I find out that was a stunt pilot, I'd be fine with it. Um, I'm okay with little movie magic. Uh, and I think it hurt like is it this is the scene right where they have that one part where like it's on that like weird like camera under like that under the helicopter because it's the only way they yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. like to me that kind of stuff like hurts the movie. Like I'd rather it be fake and look be up for it to look right. Um but it's not a bad scene. It's 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 a fun um action scene. Like I said, just just for me personally, like the reality all these mission impossible things, like I don't need him climbing the buildings for or whatever, like Stepman, step, stuntmen need to work too. Uh, everybody else on the uh, Mission Impossible Fallout helicopter chase uh, almost made the list. It, it was uh, it was that and the Halo jump for me. So uh, I just went with the other one. So uh, good scene. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say about the scene. Uh, I feel like everyone's talked about it at this point. Um, I do like. Um, the part where Army Hammer, uh, Army Hammer, fuck, Henry Cavill, he plays the hammer. That's what I was thinking of. Um, 
Henry Cavill gets like scarred on the side, and he has that like evil bad guy looking uh, motherfucker uh, that look to him. Um, yeah, I just wish there was a little bit more one-on-one hand-to-hand uh, hand combat, but uh, that scene is so long that I like understand like you got to cut some stuff or you got to you know keep it short to a certain degree. Um, but it's a, it's a good scene, just not I really care too much for. Um, yeah, people should be excited if Henry Cavill's like gonna go do a spy movie instead of become Superman because I think this is a movie like he's brilliant in. Um, I this is the correct scene. If you're gonna pick a scene from Fallout, this is absolutely the scene that I would have picked. Um, you know, the skydiving's cool, but we've seen him do that. But dueling helicopters back and back, that's kind of awesome. So, good choice. All right, Jack, uh, 52. All right, uh, my 52 is not quite my tempo from Whiplash. Rushing and dragging, not quite my tempo. Uh, Another that I have to follow Jack, yay. Go for it. This scene is brilliant. Uh, It's perfectly set up with J.K. Simmons just just chatting with Miles Teller, uh, getting to know him, and then the second they start playing uh, music here, uh, they... He just turns. Uh, he starts getting closer and closer to him uh, slowly uh, as he keeps stopping him, uh, saying, rushing, dragging, uh, just a hair. Uh, and then when he and then he breaks and he starts using everything that he uh, he had talked to uh, Andrew about uh, moments before against him and start uh, he starts slapping uh, slapping shit him. He gets. He throws uh, he throws a chair at him. It's a it's a scene that's been talked to death about, but I can't get enough of it. I love it. It's my favorite scene from the film, followed very closely behind by Caravan. But it's just I I love this scene so much. I could watch it at any point. Uh, incredible scene. Um, yeah, J.K. Simmons. I just does. I don't think gets enough credit for this kind of like acting that he does. Like. What? I'm just saying the same thing Jake is. Go ahead. I mean, he okay. won an Oscar for it. <laughs> he won an no, Oscar. No, no, no. That's, that's not. That's not. That's not what I'm, I'm. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, he's won an Oscar for this performance. But like, this is the perfect. I, I guess I should rephrase. This is the perfect. This is what he's like peak acting wise. I don't think like of this is. I've said this before. This is the similar character that he plays in Oz. This ruthless asshole that makes you comfortable in the setting that you're in and then flips it on its head and makes it completely uncomfortable um just the ruthless of the scene i just i think the problem with the scene is it's the most over one of the most overplayed scene from the movie like because it's shown everywhere it's a shocking thing he smacks the shit out of him and he's like so you do know the difference like that that side of him, like, because he's played like a dad in films, and he's like the Amer- the, the the insurance guy, the farmer's guy. Like, he's like now has this like nice motif. But when he comes back into like ruthless J.K. Simmons, um, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And the scene is like one of those because how he starts, he's like, "Oh, you're good, you're good, nothing," and then he just fucking launches the chair and said, "Like, that's just like the ultimate like like." anger that comes from him. Um, there was a similar scene that I wanted to pick, but I think this is the one that I had to end up going with from this movie. So, yeah. Um, I won't say too much because I've talked about the scene a lot because I've talked about how much I love this movie. This scene is great. Uh, but J.K. Simmons 
Jack touched on it. What gets me is how this it just highlights what a complete uh, psychopath he is because he goes out and he has that conversation and then he comes back and just uses all that information he got. And you know, he was, that's what he was doing is fishing for this information that he could use to destroy this kid. And um, I think Boatman talks about a lot too, that scene later on where he's talking to that little girl and he's like, Hey, you're going to come play with me someday. And that just, that's what makes that so chilling is that, you know, how he uses people. And um, the whole build up to this, like when, you know, when he's yelling at the other kid about being out of tune and then, you know, how he, you know, like he plays, it's, you know, it's, he starts out nice, uh, not my, quite my tempo. Let's try it again. And then just lose out of nowhere. Um, just so perfectly played. And Teller's like great in this too, because he kind of just is like, turns himself into a blood, blubbering mess. I don't think his performance throughout the movie is necessarily, you know, holds up to Simmons. Uh, but I think in this scene, like he just does exactly what he has to do. So uh, fantastic scene. Definitely belongs to the top 100. Jake, Scott, explain to me why it's not here. Um, I mean, this is a fantastic movie. This is great. Um, I do like the scene. It's definitely like the one of the most talked about scenes from the 2010s, uh, which is not against the scene, but it's just like I don't really know what else I can add uh, outside of JK is fantastic and just the the visceral sort of like energy that the scene has. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I do have a scene from this movie later on. But uh, I do think this is a fantastic scene. So I can't really say much about it. It's it's it is great. Yeah, same. Um, I do have another scene from the movie. I do think there's a better scene. This scene is great, um, but I kind of reserved the multiple scenes from the same movie for like three or four of my very favorite movies, and that this doesn't necessarily meet that criteria. So that's why it doesn't make it. Not because it isn't great. All right, Cody, uh, take us to your number 52. Don't put it right up on the screen, but I'm going to wait a second. Okay. So there's a movie that I love. And there's some scenes from this movie that get talked about a lot. There's a very simple, like, subdued scene that I love the most. Um, and it's from Spotlight. Um, it's when Robbie goes to Jim uh, Sullivan's house at the very end of the film and basically corners him and tells him, like, we're not going to run the story until we get confirmation from you. And he said, get out of my damn house. And he leaves, and then he walks out of the house, and he said, what took you so long? We knew this for, we knew something was wrong for so long. Why didn't we? And then basically tells him, give me the damn papers. And he circles both columns of both names, which is not something that's like maybe like as crazy for some, but for me is like it's the confirmation to the movie that is like that's all of them. That's everyone that they have to, you know, instead of running false evidence, like tell me everyone on it. And he looks over the list and circles both of them and hands it back to him and just that's the walk off, and you just look down at both pieces of paper and both names, both columns are signed. It's not a long scene; it's not built up, but it's like everything in that movie. And since it's based on also a true story, it's just it's like a guts, like it's it it hurts you to see because that's how many they covered up for. That's how many they moved along. That's how many they let continue doing what they did. And it was basically everybody in Boston knew something was going on, but no one wanted to say anything. And then this is the story that ran in the circle. I, th I think it's an absolutely brilliant scene. So, 
Nobody else had this? No. I didn't expect anybody to. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Again, I've talked about this movie. It doesn't hit for me like it does for everybody else. Just the whole procedural thing is not something I get super excited about. Uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, I watched this scene again, you know, just to see what this is. And, like, I, I just feel like this is a movie that has, like, a lot of gotcha moments. So to pick this one out of some others, just I just don't know if it's if if it stands that high above any others uh, in the movie, um, but again, that's just me. Everybody else on the spotlight scene. Uh, I've not seen the movie since 2015, uh, mainly because I resent this film winning Best Picture over The Revenant. Uh, I do not remember the scene. Deserved it. Um, yeah, I mean. I think everyone knows. I think this movie's flawless. Uh, every scene, every performance, everything in it. So I'm not going to say no to any scene that you pick. I think uh, uh, Jamie Sheridan, who plays Sullivan, like I think that's, I mean, everyone in the movie is so good, but you know, the little character actors and stuff like that really make it. And he's one of one example of that. Um, Obviously, there is at least one scene from this movie coming up for me, as you'd probably expect. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a good scene, and it crystallizes, you know, like you're saying that this movie is as much about why was this never reported as it is like the seriousness of um, the the actual story itself. And there are so many, you know, jaw dropping moments of where they discover how deep and how far it actually goes. Um, and this is another one of those. Yeah, this, this film is brilliant. Uh, I, it had been a few years since I had seen it, uh, and then I got to rewatch it earlier this year with a few uh, people from Multiplex, and it was, it, it was uh, a hell of an experience. Uh, this scene is fantastic. Uh, I thought of putting a, a good number of scenes from this film on there. Uh, but no, it's a great pick, Cody. All right. Uh, that takes us to Jake's number 52. Hey, don't reveal it, but I want it to be a surprise um, until I say it. So I love movies that open with the, the opening logo and then it sort of transitions into the movie. I love seeing that when uh, with films, the Columbia logo appears, and we zoom in on the clouds as corn starts to play. We go into an airplane, and then we go through this airplane, and out of the bathroom comes LL Cool J in some African robe or whatever he's wearing in the opening of Charlie's Angels. I fucking love this opening. This is McGee's directorial debut. I think he absolutely is amazing when it comes to his filmmaking and his style. Uh, this whole sequence is done in one take. I love one takes. I don't know if, I, if, I've, if I've ever mentioned this, but one takes are awesome and they're great. And this is done in that one take. We go through the airplane. There's so many just weird visual gags going on with like all the people on the plane. It's really bizarre. We see two people... A guy and a girl go into a bathroom. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and LL Cool J just shows up. LL Cool J. You know, don't call him comeback, guys. He's been here for years. And he goes through. He goes into the first class station, sits next to this guy who's got a bomb. And then 
you have the whole little you know they have like i hear only angels or something like that he talks about angels and it's like haha and he has diamonds and you see all the shit and the bomb and you're like okay and they're watching tv and it's tj hooker the movie and you have the line from the guy like oh, another tv show from the 80s being turned into a movie fucking great i love michael's coming there <laughs> and they're just like well what are you gonna do and he just looks at his watch he goes walk out and he's like oh, very funny it wasn't and then grabs the guy and they jump out of the airplane as fucking motley crew plays uh, i believe the song's live wire and we have this great skydiving sequence better than the halo jump from mission impossible fucking fall out i'm calling it now and as they fall down you see lucy lou come straight for him and it's just fucking fun this is how you open a movie exciting the energy it just gets you fucking pumped the music camera work it's just great and you have fucking Cameron Diaz in the speedboat catching them the reveal of the face mask like Mission Impossible uh with Drew Barrymore as LL Cool J it turns out um and it's just perfect it's just like indicative it's just like a great microcosm of the movie and what's to come uh madness just pure crazy uh exciting entertaining action and uh it's fun and it's not taking itself seriously and doesn't need to because it's fun and funny and great Okay, once again, Jake is uh, completely overselling his scene. He talks about it being an all all one take, like it's Alfonso Cuarón or something. They walk around in a circle as the camera follows them. It's just it's just a lap around. Oversimplifying a choreography. That's 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 all all it is. Um, the the TJ Hooker joke. It's like, yeah, just because you admit it's a dumb idea to remake these old seventy shows doesn't mean it's not a dumb idea to remake these old seventy shows. Um, Pointing out doesn't help. Uh, and it, it, they jump out the plane, and it's you know again another case of pretty bad editing for an action scene. Uh, they, they're all surrounding this bomb. They're all like, like three people are like right at this bomb, and it blows up, and somehow all three of them are fine. Um, it wasn't right next to them. They threw it up. That was the, there. yeah. They're right there when it explodes. It goes off. right there. Um, the effects are time. terrible. The effects are garbage. Uh, and they go down and they land. And uh, does Drew Barrymore in the LL Cool J mask count as blackface? Um, no. I, uh, I hope so no. because I just want to get this movie canceled because it sucks. Um, <laughs> Jake, I, I I don't know how you do this. Like your picks are either like this like weird just rubber or guys <laughs> covered in crap, or it's like the just most generic vanilla action scenes it's and somehow they're all terrible i just don't know how you like don't get e- you're so off on both sides like you can't get either one right this is this is a bad scene uh everybody else on idea. the opening of charlie's angels um i'll back you up jake this movie's <laughs> great um i i i thoroughly enjoy the opening as well um, it sets up the campy tone. I don't mind if the effects are bad or whatever. Like that's part of the charm of the movie. I think. I just hope that you have the fight scene with Crispin Glover later on your list because uh, if not, I will be Canada slightly disappointed. Uh, but yeah, this tonight. movie is a hoot. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I literally pause for how long? Just talk, Jack. No. Okay, fine. I've I've never seen this full movie. I've seen clips. Move on. Wow, that could have just been skip. Um. Anyways, 
I am under the impression that the opening of this movie was Cameron Diaz dancing in her underwear. Apparently, that was just me, what 10 year old me thought. Different scene. Yeah. Well, that was like me, 10 year old me thought in 2000 because I have not watched this movie since and don't plan on it. Didn't know how cool the day was in the film. So there you go. All right. Uh, Scott, what is your number 52? Um, my number 52, I can't believe this is following Charlie's Angels, but uh, it's from There Will Be Blood. It's the I've Abandoned My Child scene. Okay. Can we get Zach Ford on here to do the, the reenacting? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt that. Oh, but um, I mean, this is this movie contains, in my opinion, two of the, I mean, number one the number one performance of all time for me. And then also another performance that I would put in my top 100 performances. Um, and obviously they're both on display in this scene. Um, and it's, it's so well done because, you know, Daniel Plainview has come to the church just out of obligation because he wants, he has to get what he wants basically. Um, but, and, you know, Eli is basically going to make an example out of him and brings him up there and starts haranguing him in front of the whole church. And at first, uh, Daniel Plainview is just kind of biting his tongue, like not wanting to go along with it, um, not really wanting to engage, just kind of doing the bare minimum to satisfy Eli. And then all of a sudden, as the intensity starts ramping up, he actually starts like feeling uh, the weight of Eli Sunday's words and um by extension, his own actions towards H.W., his son, and everything he's done since coming to town. And, um, you know, as he does so, his his cries, his shouting becomes more impassioned. Obviously, everyone knows the screaming of I've abandoned my child. And um, it is just, it is, you know, acting of the highest quality of the highest order. Um, and just such an incredibly evocative, intense scene. Um, you know, that, that really relies on the strength of the performances, um, but also, of course, the direction of Paul Thomas Anderson to get those performances um, out of those actors. Um, it's it's just an unforgettable scene. There's not really much else to say. I rewatched this. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. I rewatched the scene, and it's it just crazy because I watched uh, Age of Innocence. uh rewatched that a couple weeks ago. And just watching that and then watching this and thinking that's the same guy, it's just, it's it's amazing what he's able to do. And this seems crazy, like you said, the way it ramps up. And I have to go back and rewatch it because I don't remember all the context. Um, so I really don't know how to interpret some of the performance because it seems like it does. At first, like you could tell he's going through emotions, like you said, he starts to get into it. But I don't know. I really can't tell at that point for me if he's like just selling it or if he's really starting to feel something. Because then when he starts getting slapped, um, he's kind of like uh, mocking him, you know, like oh, there it is, you know, like he's 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 kind of making mm-hmm. a joke of it once he starts getting slapped. So it's kind of you know his his it's all over the place, not in a negative way, but like just like his, um, you know, what he's feeling and what he's going through there. Um, but he's doing a lot, and that's that's what uh, Daniel Day Lewis can do. He can do a lot and not feel like a lot because there are a lot of actors out there who will, who take the scene and like oh acting. And somehow he doesn't like get to that point. Like it's all still has like a, a, a realness to it. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a it's a great scene. Uh, like I said, even watching out of context, like I did, just so much fun to watch him act. 
uh, everybody else on the uh, Abandoned My Child. Uh, fan, fan, fantastic scene, fantastic movie. Uh, this is one of the scenes that I kind of wish I added to my top 100. There's another scene also that I would have liked. Um, I just completely blanked and missed it. Um, yeah, this is the scene where Daniel Day Lewis wins his Oscar. Um, he's just, it's one of my favorite performances ever. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, obviously, he's Daniel Day Lewis. Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard to really talk too much about. I mean, Scott perfectly explains why this, this scene is great um yeah so uh first uh, this is another movie i saw for the first time in film studies in high school and it's incredible uh the scene i picked from it has been yikes already but this was definitely in contention so uh great pick scott yeah i think there's a better scene overall because i yikes it obviously um but this is like it's it's one of my favorite acting performances of all time. Of the best picture, like the best actor winners, it's my fourth of all time. I think he's absolutely brilliant, especially in this movie. I give I get a bad rap for Hayden PTA, mainly self and I I do it to myself. I like a good majority of his films, uh, but this is this is above all of his movies for me. I think this is his best movie by far, and um, then it's. It's on the back of Dano and um, um, Daniel Day-Lewis. They're just in a league of their own in this movie. All, All right. right. Coho watched on two times speed if he liked it more. Mm. Mm. Final pitch of the night. Jack, what's your 51? All right. Uh, my 51 is Bye Bye Life from All That Jazz. All right. Uh, this scene is phenomenal. One of arguably what I would consider, uh, arguably the greatest, uh, musical number in movies. Uh, I've got a lot, I've got a fair few musicals still to see. However, currently this takes the cake. It's incredible. Uh, I'm blanking on name right now, but Joe Gideon in this film Roy is, Shatter. Roy yeah, Roy Shatter. Shatter. thank you. Uh, Roy Scheider in this film is incredible, and this scene is brilliant. The editing uh, and costume design in this in this scene specifically makes it almost feel like a fever dream. Uh, it's truly phenomenal. I I rewatched it uh, just after getting home from work today, and uh, and just a couple nights ago as well. I rewatched the entire film. I I can't get enough of this scene. It's phenomenal one of uh yeah no uh absolutely one of my favorite first time watches of the year and uh honestly after re-watching the film uh the scene would be higher took me a while to get on board with this movie what it was doing uh but by the end like it had completely sucked me in and i love this scene um i think it's a great musical number um i think it does such a good job of um capturing what he's been through up to that point and kind of his attitude toward it. like just i get it just like the acceptance of you know chickens coming home to roost you know i've i've lived my life the way i have and now it's going to be over and you know he has that scene you know in, in the dream where he you know the dream sequence where he says goodbye to everybody and you know kind of like makes amends uh as best he can 
And uh, I think, you know, he's great. And I think Ben Vereen's really good in it, the two of them together. Um, and I like it goes on for a long time. And I liked it because it just it, it maintains that energy through the whole thing. Like it feels like it's like slowing down, that it picks up again. And it keeps going. And I think it, it, it really works. Um, so I watched this for the first time this year, too. And um, I, I, I really love this scene. I think it's a great climax for the movie. Uh, everybody else on Bye Bye Life. Uh, I just want to say one more thing. Also, yeah. that, that final cut of... Uh, Big spoiler alert for this movie. That final cut from uh, him walking down the hallway to him being zipped up in the body bag is incredibly jarring. Uh, just one of the biggest leaving you cold moments in, in a film for me. Okay, go ahead. Okay, This is a fantastic movie. Um, yeah, I saw all of Bob Fosse's movies for Blank Check. Uh, so I saw this one. Um, I don't know if I'd call this movie a musical. I would call it a music film. Um, just not really the, the, you know, uh, the parts that make it a musical don't really apply to this. Um, I do think this is the best scene in the movie. Um, I love this movie because it is Bob Fosse making a movie about himself and his life and his love and career. Um, Joe Gideon is Bob Fosse. Um, and the way he sort of is so self-deprecating about himself and sort of like... He thought this was going to be his last movie. It ends the way he thought his life was going to end. In a way, it kind of did, but he also made a movie after the Star 80, which is eh, kind of weird. Um, and it's just like everything, like what Jack was saying, the way that it just like, it's this giant triumphant moment for him. And you think like this is going to lead to something good. And then just the, the cut, the cut straight to him with the body bag just being zipped up, just really really effective filmmaking there um i know i know kirk you've been talking bad about uh, editing uh, on some of my picks but i think that this scene and the sequence and the movie itself is one of the best edited films of all time yes. uh the editing throughout the scene is just like incredible stuff yeah i uh so i think this is probably like objectively the best scene from the film and like i really honestly i do understand people saying even like that this is the best musical number of all time like i i get it honestly i think it does go on a little too long for me like some of it is just too existentially <laughs> freaking out um but um but so i think like i actually personally enjoy like the takeoff with me which is like the rehearsal <laughs> sequence a little Thank bit you, more sir. and the um everything old is new again um with his wife and um daughter dancing uh, i also love that scene too a little bit more maybe um but it's a phenomenal movie like i can't blame you for having this scene again i think objectively it probably is um the best scene it just maybe because it's so effective and leaves me cold it doesn't make like my favorites list but great movie i have been begged to not watch this movie so i have yet wow. to watch this movie because some people love it and they know probably how i'm gonna react to it but best musical sequence of all time from jack is like you know i wouldn't I wouldn't trust a fucking thing he says. I would say so. You say I wouldn't trust a like I wouldn't trust the thing you say either, Jake. No offense, you hold no weight either. That's fair. I mean, I don't take your horror uh, opinions seriously. Yeah, yeah. Go watch the snot monologue. It's a great film. 
Um, can I just say, just before you say anything, Kirk, uh, I 100% bet Michael messaged Zach and said, hey, they they brought up the end of my chat. As a matter of fact, he did, because I was also in that chat. Okay, I 100% what Now you guys got to ruin the bit. Just let it happen. <laughs> All right, uh, Cody, what is your 51? Um, it's the watchtower. It's the clock tower, blah, blah, blah. It's the courthouse, uh, back to the future. Um... I this is a scene that is similar to the Jurassic Park scene. If I could go back and revisit this, yes, I did that for you, Bowman. Uh, one time got a trivia question wrong because that person did the movie better than he did. Um, overall, I think uh, this is absolutely uh, just a scene I wish I could relive. Um, I still think the effects hold up. I think the driving all the way back. The story and you know of warning Doc about the future and everything, uh, you know what's going to go on, and the connecting of the cables, the lightning, the strike, the score, everything, the tree falling on it to break it down, so they have to come through the dramatic things. Doc hanging from the tower, like the the courthouse. I, it's just there's something about that score that can literally you know, lift me out of any, like, funk, basically. I think it's a brilliant overall, and to see the fire from the tires and him going back is just the best scene from this movie. It's not even close for me. It's the, yeah. Yeah, I, this is, it's up there with, like, Jurassic, those Jurassic Park scenes and things like that. So many, uh, so many scenes, just like, 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 you know, we used the term before, movie magic, like, just that, it's just how the way it's paced and the music, just the way the score is used in this. That dun, 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 dun. I think that's the best non-John Williams score maybe ever. Um, and you know, just Doc, you know, him him getting the car in position, uh, Doc, uh, you know, trying to get the you know when the, when the cord doesn't matter, can't connect when he can't pull it, and his reaction and him looking down and him you know doing the slide and get the last second and then just how i mean it's just such a i mean I, I always i talk a lot about the script for this movie just how tight it is and i think this is just this scene is just so well done um yeah i mean it's been talked a lot about anybody else anything to say about the courthouse scene from back to the future it's a great, it's great. didn't make my list but it's great yeah not not one not a movie that hits for me like it does for a lot of people but uh you know great scene obviously Iconic. Sorry about that. Uh, everybody talked about this, so we go to uh, Jake's final pick of the night. Okay, so number 51. You know, a lot of us have scenes that are great scenes in bad movies. And I will fully admit, I have a great scene from a bad movie. Even though I like the movie a lot, I do think it's bad. Uh, I've picked the, the the birth of the Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Damn it, Jake. <laughs> he said he was going to have a normal week. Yeah. Let me ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine. When you're not really fine. But you just can't get into it. <laughs> there should be one for Kirk, honestly, Like after, after this. Um, this is a great scene, and I think it's awesome. I think it's beautiful, and I think it's great. And one thing about Sam Raimi and the way he is able, one of his, I think, strengths when it comes to the trilogy is how he's able to humanize the, uh, the villains. Venom, I don't really include because he had no interest in making Venom. 
uh, with Sandman, it's just like so endearing. This like it's like a short film. This whole thing, and it's all told visually. There's no dialogue. The opening shot is like a bunch of rocks. It looks like a bunch of rocks just moving, and then as the the camera pans out, you realize it's sand. And as it's slowly moving, it's it comes together. It's Flint Mark. He's trying to get himself back together. He's only able to get like his his upper body, and then he sees the locker of his daughter Penny. And then realizes that now I have a reason. I still have a reason to live. I still have a reason to do what I what I must for my child. And then he gets back up. He's able to get his legs. And then as he walks, it's just like really well done. The virtual cinematography, the way it's all visuals, it's like just like impressive stuff for 2007. I know some of it's a little bit weird and it has an H. Well, and also there's a there's a weird sort of plot. I don't know a plot hole, but a mistake, I guess. Why is the locket the only thing that didn't turn to sand? Works for the movie. It's trying to tell a story. I'm okay, except that I'm a suspension of disbelief. I, I can accept that. Um, but I also think what really works is the the score, the Christopher Young score. Like it starts off uh, somber and then it becomes triumphant as he like brings himself back up together, and then it becomes like menacing and terrifying as he becomes like he's no longer Fleet Marker. He is the Sandman, and he realizes what I have to do. Like it's uh, a really well done scene in a movie that people like to, to joke and laugh about um even though i will slightly defend uh and it is, it is a big disappointment for spider-man 2 but that scene is like just a really really effective scene and i can't remember which the who the critic was but at the time when he reviewed this movie it said that like during that scene you just forget about anything that happened before and anything that will happen you're just looking at the scene you're realizing like this is like the power of what a film and what a filmmaker can do and convey ideas and emotions through it. And I think it's beautiful. So I'm picking that for 51. If I ever make a bad movie, Jake, I'm going to hire you to go in the press junket and just sell it for me because <laughs> your turd polishing skills are just off the charts. Fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the sand, it's, it's the right, it's he's there's sand and then he gets up and he walks around and, I don't care about the locket. I don't care about the locket. Not that's it's a movie. It's, that doesn't bother me at all. But um, it's not a bad scene. It's fine. It's and a beautiful I mean, scene. compared to this movie, it's uh, the rest of this movie. It's talking about the movie. Talking about the scene. I know, but I'm saying compared the, to the, rest, the rest of the movie, it's 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 great. It's better than pretty much anything else in this movie. But it's still, you know, to have it as your fifty-one greatest, fifty-first greatest scene of all time. I guess anybody else have anything to say about Sandman? Oh dear God! The, I mean, Jack, that means nothing to me. You don't have to. I, I know, I know. Here's the thing: this scene is good. It, it's one of the better scenes in the movie, but this has no business ever making the top 100 greatest scenes of all time. Micah does make a good point. Yeah. I hate this movie more than I hate most movies. A, a lot of movies, and this is the only, probably the only part of the movie where I, I'm like, okay, this isn't the worst. This isn't the worst Marvel movie I've seen. But good this lord, is... I hate this pick so much. I just haven't seen the movie in so long because it sours to movies that I dearly love. So I don't even remember. The scene really that well. Someday I will I will give it another shot, but I'm not expecting much. 
I I like that. I love that Jake sold it the way he did. Like at the beginning, where it's like, oh, it looks like rocks, uh, because it definitely looks like the worst CGI rocks of all time. And then they form together, and I absolutely love the scene, the part of the scene where he grabs the locket and goes, "I will have legs." And then forms legs. Like it's like one of the dumbest looking scenes where he's like it looks down and legs start forming. Like it's so bad. No, this movie sucks. This scene sucks. Um What? Wow. I, yeah, I mean yes, it, I'm sorry, whatever you wanna say and like is it the best is it one of the best scenes from this movie? Sure. But the overall movie sucks. All right, it's Scott. the second best scene. There's another third. There's another one coming, guys. Oh, I mean, we're gonna walk through the um, whole Scott, take us home. Well, I wonder if it does anyone want to end early tonight? Maybe we can just do like my 51 next week or the well, I'm predicting that, this is how it's going, earlier. right? I, well, well, this is, is how it it's gonna go. Jack's winning. I'm taking second, you're gonna take third, and so we can end early. If you all right, be. I'll be taking I'll be taking last tonight. My number fifty one is Kylo versus Luke from the Last Jedi. Every word oh. you just said was wrong. Okay, before Scott talks, guys. Oh no! Please remember, we're talking scenes, not movie. We're two and a half oh, hours. No, we're oh, the scenes of the fun. Sandman. Oh, the movie fucking sucks. Oh, there, there, oh a, no. I see. This is the base been raging for five years. We're not going to solve it tonight. We're oh, it's ten thirty. No, we're talking about scenes. Talk about the scene all you want. You uh, did this. Why did you do this? I am dead inside. Scene's pretty cool. Um. Very cool, very well shot. Like, I love the environment. Kylo, like, scraping back the salt with his foot to, like, reveal the, you know, red underneath is such a cool image. Um, and you see, like, the two generations clashing, right? And Luke, you see how far that that character has come. And, you know, that he's aged, and apparently people had a problem with that. But, um, that he is still like in this badass moment staring down them all at the end and staring down kylo and i love that exchange of dialogue obviously of kylo raging at him and saying you know the resistance is over and um you know i'm gonna kill the last jedi and obviously that scene there that we showed that moment that we played the clip of um of him saying everything you just said was wrong and then you know the resistance is is coming back and we see finn um, and you know, I will not be the last Jedi and we see Ray, um, and it's such a triumphant moment. And then, I mean, the fight obviously is, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of it, but it's well choreographed. And then sort of that WTF moment when Kylo goes to, to stab him and we realize, oh, it's, you know, it's actually him projecting, um, himself. And he kind of one last time gets the upper hand over, over Kylo and over the dark side. Um, and it's just a, a, a perfect ending to that character's arc for me. Like, I love what Mark Hamill does in this movie. I love the direction that Ryan Johnson chose to take the character in. And I think that this just really rewards the entire journey of that character in this scene. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, and, you know, it, it's such a triumphant ending to the movie. It's really strange that they never made another movie, but I think that um, it's it's pretty cool that they just ended it on this note and said, yeah, you know what, we're good. We're just going to do TV shows now. 
um, again, the scene is not. I mean, if this is your Star Wars scene, that's kind of that's kind of sad because there's a lot better. I mean, there's so much to pick from for Star Wars, other than this. Uh, the scene itself is. I mean, there's there's some interesting stuff in it. Um, I mean, I want to see a lightsaber fight, but that's just me. Um, well, you can see in other scenes, so yeah, yeah. but, but uh, I mean, they, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they did remember they made that one, they, they made that one movie where they had to try to fix everything that happened in this movie, so they did make one more after this, but um, the uh, the scene itself isn't, isn't that bad. Uh, everybody else on this, just the scene, everybody else on that. Uh, Don't believe me. I have no interest in talking Star Wars um, for a lengthy period of time. I think it's very cool that when he like his foot goes across the dirt, it shows red. Like that's neat because we haven't seen that. Like I no, I there are better lightsaber fights. There are better like overall like storytelling. Even in this movie, there's better like moments. Like overall, like um, Canto Bite maybe should have shown up. But um, I think that's my turn to talk, Scott. Thank you, sir. Um, and I love that you throw some complete shit at other movies. And this is this is the movie you chose. It's great. Good I job. said they didn't make. I said they didn't make another movie. I wasn't throwing shit at anything. I just said there no. Was- I didn't say. I didn't say. I'm saying like other ones, like MCU, and you have the dare to talk about Star Wars. Like this movie's an abomination. This Let's just leave it there. Phantom Menace. Oh my gosh. You know what this one this is the best because this one makes this one makes all the people that hate Star Wars like Star Wars for one movie only because of this. And this isn't even He cuts him down because it's a force ghost, which we were taught all throughout Star Wars movies and stuff before that this all the stuff is possible. We just didn't know about it because they don't tell you. You're just supposed to like, oh yeah, that's how the force works. Cool. Um, all I'll say is that I'm just done with talking about Star Wars and I just don't want to say anything. Yoda should have tried this, like when Dooku's like throw like uh, uh, Emperor's throwing shit at him. He should have just been a Force ghost, and then he wouldn't have anybody like attack him. That'd be cool. But apparently, that's not how that works all the time. <sighs> it's not even the best scene from that movie, and the best scene from that movie is still deeply flawed, and I hate it with a fiery passion. This movie is bad. It's a bad Star Wars movie. I hate this movie so much. Cody, what happened to you if you agree with Jack, that means you're wrong? The the scene is fine by itself. No, I just want him to keep talking. It's just fun because when more people hate him, it's the better for me. (laughs) For the record, I don't think the movie's bad. I think the movie's alright. I just don't really care about stuff. I put Sean Aston at number 11 in top 100 performances. Do you think I care if people hate me? (laughs) You still keep showing up. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, first place tonight is tough. Uh, Jack and Cody both had very similar lists. They both had a Spielberg. They both had a Prince of Automobiles. They both. So had you're saying same, I need to have a Spielberg on my list. They, to, they both to had. Win. They both. You could had, even call them twins. Honestly, they both had a whip. They both had Whiplash. Um, so Listen, you don't Trump have to. And you don't have to. Build that's a pretty similar. One Over two and a half hours. Everybody stop. 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 Stop bickering at each other. Uh, in the aggregate, I kind of canceled everything that was the same and went through and tried to find what was better. And I think in the aggregate, Cody pulls out first place. Uh, also, you both had the, the right opinion on uh, 
Last Jedi. That's why you're at the top two. Wow, um, that's just but uh, <laughs> but so yeah, yeah. Cody had um, you know, Amadeus, Amadeus, everything else. Uh, I think Amadeus and uh, Alien in the end of the days would put you over with Jack just a little bit. You know, other than the stuff you guys kind of crossed over on, uh, Jack still a great list. You had you know, Jimbo, you had Jaws, uh, you had Whiplash, you had a lot of great stuff. Bye bye, love. So, very close second for Jack. Uh, third place is Scott. Uh, Scott, you had uh, some decent picks on you. You had, you had another Amadeus scene, you had some good stuff on there, but you mostly get third place because Jake's here. Jake is in fourth place. <laughs> uh, you know, Charlie's Angels, The Rundown, more big, more book smart. Um, yeah, Sandman. Um, I mean, obviously, fourth place for Jake. Uh, we're coming back. Uh, we'll be at the halfway point next week. Uh, watch the roundtable this week for more on what movie was it? Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter. And I'm sure a lot of other great movies. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Bye. Intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Drunk, get angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow! I hurt my arm. And not expect everybody to do everything. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.